0: It's championship season and expansion fever. That's what we have for you this week on the Inval Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 260, uh, not 263. We're not quite there yet. I honestly think I'm dyslexic because it's 236. So we reversed some numbers there. But, you know, right numbers, wrong order.
1: Big Dog just does not know how numbers work. I love that.
0: I was never good at math here. And, look, there's fundamental issues here. But at least they're better than the fundamentals we've seen on the field the last two days in independent ball because it's been just... I don't even know what the hell to call it. Just some very poor fundamentals this postseason.
1: Fundies have been lacking.
0: Keith Hernandez is just in shambles.
1: I mean it's business as usual.
0: Fair enough. The he did lose the truck work. in the divorce. So with that said, <laughs> we uh you're gonna know what that's like soon enough if we keep doing a long podcasts. but you know, that's a bro. I'm like
1: listening for the door. It's terrifying.
0: <laughs> I laugh because I'm not in that situation but uh <laughs> <laughs> the best part is the audio broke right there so it sounds like a dragon's yell so that oh, that's better. good it makes even better it's more fitting for this show in any case i suppose we should get into the news so that way we don't have one of those like two hour long shows even though selfishly if it goes two hours they do better so like kind of sort of want huh. that but i also don't that's want to be great. up till three in the morning editing either so all right let's get into the news here we're gonna get through two of the uh pretty basic bits and then we'll get into an expansion update as you probably could tell from the cold open there was some movement on that front i'd say a decent amount of it to be quite honest so uh that'll be fun to talk about before we get into some deep and heavy playoff discussions and the good news is quebec was courteous enough to get blown out by evansville tonight or at least they're in the process of doing that so we won't have to worry about them winning a championship tonight as we record so that's aces on that front there but first we have to talk about hagerstown who unveiled their branding on Wednesday. And I'm not going to lie to you, I forgot all about Hagerstown's name, which is probably not what you want in a new brand. But the logo looks really good. Again, we're going to do this thing where we describe an image on a visual medium. So that's going to be great audio here. But uh, long and short, it's essentially a guy dressed as a pilot uh, riding atop a C-119. Essentially, uh, Dr. Love bomb scene style, if you know what that is. Uh, that's basically the vibe there. Primary, primary colors here are red, sky blue, navy blue, white, and gray. Overall, I think it's pretty solid, and I really like the hats there that we saw on the one uh, banner ad that was there. The bottom left and top right were two just absolutely great hats there. May have to invest in that.
2: yeah uh, you know
1: it's funny i i like i didn't like it as much as most people when i first saw it but it has grown on me for sure like i was kind of like these people are a little bit overly hyped i think maybe the standards have dropped as we've seen a few mediocre rebrands but um i will say as i'm looking at more i'm kind of into it like
2: yeah
1: part of it is i think i'm salty that i really wanted it to be the haymakers i think it sounds great but um it's okay i can come to terms with it and i can move on i'm responsible and you know reasonable adult um well that's debatable yeah look whatever um i I think it's i think it's good i like that um i was ready for them because I know the flying boxcar thing is like related to the planes, and I was ready for them though to like go some weird way with it where it wasn't a plane thing. Cause like I feel like so often these teams like lose the plot so damn bad. Um
0: you lost uh lose the forest and the trees type of thing.
1: Yeah. And you're like, how did we get here? Like even honestly feel a little bit that way about like Estonia. I think the brand is cool, but when they're like, Oh, this is um like related to you know the land and milk and honey thing and the the free slave or whatever the background was and this and that and now that's why we're honey badgers and we're like
2: really like that's
1: like i mean bro i've had like less degrees of separation between me and kevin bacon to get there like what are we talking about so i'm glad that like they they won like really did it direct and they really spelled out and i feel like there's shades of like um staten island with this one where
0: that's interesting is if i'm right it's the same design team between it those. It is. You're right. Like, Sky it designs. is. Yep. As Based I said, of, I looked it up. You're yeah. right. Based out of Montclair, New Jersey, right in my neck of the woods. There you go. Yeah, man. Yeah.
1: That's, um, that's pretty good work, man. That's yeah. They're good at getting lots of detail into one logo.
0: Honestly, that's the thing. I really like their work, especially when you go on their website here. If you look, a lot of the really nice old Atlantic League uh, all-star game logos, like the Southern Maryland one that unfortunately didn't get to be used, the Lancaster one, those all look really nice. That's all their work. Like, their work's really, really good. I I enjoy what they do. But if I could just jump in with an unrelated tangent, because you mentioned Gastonia. Uh Um, I was at work the other day, and I was wearing my Gastonia hat, the one that they sent me for free. So that's why I kind of feel bad for racking on them, but pay your employees. No. And so the kid was like what minor league team is that because i guess it's pretty obvious a minor league logo which hey if an like 11 year old can find that out you did a good job simple is better and i was like oh it's gastonia it's uh you know the, the honey hunters and they're like oh why is it a badger right and i was well, like i did have a good badger. answer yeah like yeah that's the thing like i've heard people call it a skunk before and like if you know the hat logo is just the head with, like, the honey as a flame type of thing. And I was like, I really don't, like, I should know the answer to this. But I was like, I could explain this in detail. But this 11-year-old kid is not going to get it. But, yeah, it was just kind yeah, of a funny thing. Yeah, it just it's kind of funny. In northern New Jersey, I got asked about why there was a badger on my hat. And, uh, yeah. Just it was kind of an I'm impressed he was
1: able to ID it as a badger, frankly. Um, it's pretty good work. The, yeah. um sort of all over the place around my end because you did just remind me that I heard a rumor. I have not been able to substantiate. It's so hard to confirm some of these things now with Gastonia because yeah. people are getting weird, but uh, I did hear that when the team was in New York that the bus company, like, peaced out because they hadn't been paid and the league <laughs> had to them. So maybe I'll hopefully be able to confirm that, but like that's like, that would line up with a lot of what's been going on down there. Um, hearing that there are some owners sniffing around there it could be, like, somebody from one of the other North Carolina teams down there. We'll see. Mm.
0: That could be we'll interesting. See. Yeah, so I do agree, though, that uh, as far as the Sky Designs goes, to get us back on track, their designs are pretty good. They add a lot of, you know, they keep it simple, but yet detailed at the same time, as, you know, counterintuitive as that may sound. I think it's just a very nice, clean logo. It's better than the Brandios logos, which I can understand why people may get confused a bit, but that's just the modern style of, you know, logo creation. It's kind of in the programs, just the way it's done nowadays, so... I'm fine with it having similarities, but there is a notable difference, and it just feels better. It feels more, I don't want to say it's more of a classic design, because it's not exactly that, but it does feel more true to minor league baseball, if that makes sense. And overall, what I do like is a lot of the secondary marks feel like, yeah, that's a baseball mark. And I understand some people want to get creative, they want to do things different, they want to stand out. I get that. But at a certain point it's like, let's also identify this baseball team as a baseball team, right? Like we don't need yeah. to be getting confused as like a fashion brand. This does not need to happen.
1: Bro, like I was this is bad. When I first saw at the logo, I was like, oh, that looks like an NBA like G League logo.
0: Yep. Any case, so yeah, overall though I do like the Hagerstown design uh and all that goes with it there. So good for them. Um unless you have any other thoughts on Hagerstown, we can move on to Ottawa
1: uh no let's go for it
0: all right so let's go to ottawa now uh champions are continuing the renovation plans it's a 10-year-long plan it's including new patio deck a suite upgrades craft beer station they are also looking for a naming rights partner for the ballpark itself uh, formerly uh grant thornton it's like rgct park i think it was like Uh, Grant, Raymond, Chabot, Thornton, something along those lines. Currently, it's an unnamed stadium, so they want to get money for putting a name on the side of it. I'm okay with it. I'm cool with it. Personally, I like when they have non-corporate names, but again, that's a lot of money that could really be used to help the ballpark and help the team, so I'm cool with it.
1: Yeah, and Ottawa can put a cool little ballpark going. Um I'm hoping we see kind of a renaissance in Canadian baseball here through the Frontier League. Like the energy's so good at these games. And like honestly, I- I've been impressed by what I've seen out in Winnipeg too. Like Yeah, yeah I hope that like what's going on in Quebec and some of those and not to say like Ottawa's that far behind them, honestly. Like yeah. Ottawa's got a good vibe, too. But I'm hoping that this like launches because like I don't know. Quebec's
0: it, it's, so good, man.
1: It's good for the whole game having a good mark like having a good like Foothold in Canada that's a that is a good thing like I don't know in a weird way even arguing like as a country it's good that we have like our game like doing well in Canada and like it's sort of a middle ground because the U.S. and Canada always feel like we're kind of on different sides of things in a weird way
0: yeah I guess it's uh either way though it's good to grow the game in Canada too when you have that kind of atmosphere there and Mm -hmm. it's hard to go to like a Quebec game and like you saw the atmosphere on both of those walk-off shots I was Mm -hmm. in Gideon Profar like yeah on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night too to have that kind of atmosphere like how can you go to a game like that and not be like so like juiced up and excited for baseball like, and that's on, like just, a
1: cold uh, night where it's also been like you were down several runs in the eighth inning
0: yeah like that's yeah. just it's so impressive and they keep doing it consistently too so you know it's not just like a one-off thing but like The Quebec fans understand the importance of the game. They understand the actual, like, there are stakes to this game in particular. We're here to support the team and all that comes with it. So, like, obviously, like, they're not always in the top for attendance number-wise. I think that's more or less just seating capacity more than anything else. But even still, it's like, I know whoever's there is, like, they're they're into the team. They're, like, 100 percent fans that are there it's not really just casual walk-ups no they're they're legit fans of the team and it's just such an electric atmosphere and i so want to experience a the game there
1: yeah I, my wife and i are lining up a trip for next year because we know we got to get up there but yeah. yeah i mean i think about it, like there's people who are like yeah we're in canada so we can see this baseball game it's like that's fine.
0: yeah yeah and no, i could go during hockey season but it's just not the same passion you see for baseball <laughs>
2: fair enough um, oh
1: my god but, yeah. i'm in it for purely the the baseball uh not any ice sports while i'm up here in canada like <laughs> just
0: yeah, just baseball and perhaps some legendary french cuisine let's continue on <laughs> and we're on to expansion talk now which quite frankly is where we're going to get bogged down because there's a lot to do here, and this is how we started getting bogged down in the pre-shows by talking expansion. So uh, we'll yeah. kick it off with the American Association first, and then I believe we have some uh, Atlantic League and Frontier League news that are kind of intertwined. So uh, the American Association pretty much stands on its own in this regard. We'll start over there, uh, as I said. The it appears as though they have interest in expansion. And it seems to be fairly confirmed seeing as Josh Schaub was doing a presentation in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And in addition to Murfreesboro, there's apparently 14 other cities that were on a list that they had some interest in. We don't have that list. I will do anything I can to get my hands on that list, though. And furthermore, uh, it appears that that group that is interesting going to Tennessee is being led by Jason Rose. He is going to be the lead owner of the team. He has a Background in public relations, theater productions, and a polo championship as well. And I have to say here, they list some of these theater productions in the one article here. And I gotta be real, it sounds like the kind of movies that Troy McClure would do, you know, from The Simpsons. Hi. Like I am Troy McClure. Exactly. It's like, can not you see hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember from such films as Americano, Tiananmen, The Ghost of John McCain, and Bar Mitzvah <laughs> in Birmingham.
1: <laughs> smoke yourself to death and get confidence
2: stupid
0: <laughs> like these sound like simpsons type of movies obviously the Bro- they're not broadway but there are you know i guess theater productions stage productions any event uh rose has a background in them and just they got interesting names that's all uh moreover there's a downtown site in murphysboro that they're targeting however there's some residential concern that it might impact the historic site of Cannonsburg, which is apparently an early settlement of Murfreesboro. That's the general consensus here. Hopefully the NIMBYs get defeated and we have a new stadium built because baseball is more fun than some old buildings.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to get a feel for what that looks like. Um, I, I missed something here and it, maybe you're better versed on this than me then. Okay. so jason rose this guy is he like already set to be the owner of this team if this team happens
0: uh he would be part of the ownership group yeah i believe he was trying to create uh a larger group which would be something like murphysville murphysboro baseball inc something along those lines i didn't i saw in the one article i forget which one it is all of them are linked in the show notes by the way that list the actual organization he's trying to get he'd be one of two or three primary owners yes As he put it in the one article, uh, apparently he was talking with some of the other association owners, put him in contact with Shaw, Shab rather, and uh, from there, apparently Shaw presented him with a list of 15 cities and Murfreesboro was the one he was the most interested in.
2: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Um, I'm just piecing it together with how I've seen... Other sort of organizations come about so funny that it can come about different ways and come with that way and go to like there's like Gastonia who's like, we're gonna get a stadium and then who's gonna fill it, type of thing. Like that's kind of fascinating to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I've, trying to get a feel for like that guy's background other than that, but that's um interesting, man. I don't know. Um,
0: yeah, uh, honestly, the number one
1: thing is he doesn't have a real estate background. Is that weird? <laughs> I
0: get, I get yeah. skittish around that. Uh, not that i
1: trust polo people but
0: fair enough supposedly the ballpark would either be put in front of or behind cannonsboro it wouldn't have a lot of drive up parking so it is a downtown ballpark i should mention that there's a large historic village in the middle of a downtown area which is a very odd thing for me but whatever and uh Essentially, I think the game plan here would be to try and revitalize the area and then use foot traffic to fill the ballpark. The ballpark is supposed to have about uh, 4,500 seats in it, so it's not terribly large. It's right in line with a lot of the newer construction in the association uh, for what that is worth. Again, there is other yeah. parking that is on streets and already existing lots, so if you want to drive, it is still very well possible. It's just not the primary focus in mind. Interesting. Um... Yeah. Also, rumor yeah, has I it mean, Clarksville's also on the radar for whatever that's worth. Uh, city north of Nashville, Murfreesboro south of Nashville. So, there could be two American Association teams in Tennessee, which puts it really outside the footprint. And you'd need to do something to either make them their own division, so that way they could, you know, play amongst themselves, or throw something else there. Otherwise, you're going to have a real dilly of a pickle travel-wise, which we already know is a major concern in the league. Yeah, for basically every league at this
1: point, yeah. Yeah. Um. I guess my couple thoughts, I'm just trying to get a feel for like Murfreesboro as a place. Um, I don't know, it's... Oh, small. It's
2: definitely,
1: yeah, but not that small, right? I mean, it's like, listed, you know. About
0: 150,000, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's a little, but not terrible. Um, yeah, I should also mention here the timeline on this thing is, uh, a 2026 opening day, however, stadiums yeah. and things like this—I would say two to four years is probably about right. So maybe 26, 27 would be it. Yeah,
1: it really depends on the approvals and how long that takes. Because you know, yeah. that can—you know—just a couple months could mean you're going to be not ready in time for a May start date, and then all of a sudden you're pushing a full year. So exactly, gotta yeah. watch
0: that. um And Chrysler's building isn't easy anymore. You have to have 15, 000 different approvals and. An environmental report of 3,000 pages long because some random worm species may be impacted. Build. And I'm not saying it's a problem. It's just like, hey, do we really need a 3,000 page environmental summary to say things could be impacted? Like, it can be 30 pages. Yeah. And for fast. what's yeah. worth, too, I think I should also mention here because we do, I have mentioned this Cannesburg, which is a major, you know, Hold up for opposition here. I mean, we had people show up to this meeting where Shop is literally going through the slideshow presentation, holding up signs say don't move Cannonsboro. There's no intention at all to move this. Like both Shop has said it, Rose said it. They have openly said, we don't have an intention of moving it. We want to put the ballpark in front of it or behind it. That's all we want to do. So there's that. Although it is kind of funny in the one article. It says that uh, there was one historic area that got bulldozed to build the highway back in the 50s. So it's like, okay, well, some historic areas mean more than others, it would appear.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, historic bottoms is what it
0: says. That's the area.
1: Yeah, I see that. It's
0: It's an interesting
1: thing. Weird. I mean, I see a good bit of shopping centers for an area that you feel like protecting historically, but I'll get off that. (laughs) <laughs> um
0: it, it feels like to me, oh yeah, yeah if you go to the one link here and you open up the video in it you'll see what i mean about the historic area it's it doesn't seem very historic to me but i don't live in the area so what what do i know
1: i mean i will also turn people's attention to the hair on um jason rose oh yeah this is a it's a him. hair look
0: which by yeah. Me, it's got some uh John C Riley look going on there
1: right yeah right <laughs> big John
0: C Riley vibe.
1: I'm, I'm trying to put it all together here and like figure out exactly what I mean I, I see, Here's the thing that worries me to yeah. this point is I see a lot of articles about it but like no real comments on anything or like excitement for it you know, I haven't really checked, like, Facebook or anything like that. So, maybe I'm missing. It.
0: But
2: yeah.
1: there's one where I'm lying. Hmm.
2: That's the um, thing.
0: What I will say is it does seem like it has some backing from city officials. <laughs> but the problem is with backing from city officials is city officials are easy to change out. So...
1: Yeah. And it, that don't pay the bills. Everybody wants to be the one that brings a pro baseball team to town with a you? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, and it also... I forget where I saw it. here. Oh, which one did it have? I believe the city would own the ballpark and the team would rent it from them, if I remember right. Mm So. Nice, thank you. Although I will say they are going in with very realistic expectations because developers and city planners, this is one of the lines here which is developers and city planners say it will take two to three years to develop and construct a new ballpark in Murfreesboro. No matter where a minor league stadium is located and built, organizers hope to attract 2,500 to 3,500 fans a night and to watch 55 home games a season. That's a very realistic ask though. Like if you're going in with that, I feel confident in that because you're not going in thinking, okay, we're gonna have four thousand nights, we're gonna be selling every night, it's gonna be all well and good. It's like, no, 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 probably about fifty to, you know, sixty percent capacity is a realistic ask, I would say.
1: There's a lot of spots where they could drop a ballpark. That's all I'm saying. Like right within, like, call it a mile of downtown. But Ryan, um, think and, of the old buildings.
0: You- won't someone I mean, think of the yeah, old buildings. Yeah,
1: I know. Well, I'm, t- oh, I'm going the other way too. Sorry. Good luck with your Cannonsburg, which when I Googled it. There was articles going back to like twenty sixteen talking about how it needs to be revitalized. So good luck. Um I'm looking at like big open Ryan. Fuels. They just yeah. want
0: to preserve their history. It's important to them.
1: Yeah. Well, I hear it's a lot of from, a them. lot of markets that fail um i hear that from a lot of towns that never improve um
0: see what gets <laughs> oh, me though like is that history.
1: historically is your town economically successful no oh fascinating
0: here's the thing though it even quotes in here the visitation numbers in the one article it's the one from wsmv it has taking visitation from canonsburg to eight to ten thousand a year to 14,000 to 250,000 struck me as a pretty special opportunity, Rose said. They're drawing 10,000 people at most a year to this. I'd at least assume a year. I can't imagine that's monthly numbers. Like, who is going to see this thing? Like, I've seen pictures of what they're trying to preserve. It's in the news clippings. I don't understand this. It doesn't look like it needs to be preserved. I'm really pissing off Tennessee, aren't I?
1: And if you're not, like, east of the Mississippi, this might not be as similar, but, like, I find this, every town has a historic part of town that has been around for a long time. And I'll say, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, if every town has it, and it all goes back to the same sort of time period, and it all has its special little piece of history. So, like, again, it's old. It's got a special little thing of history. It hasn't been touched much. But, like, eh, if every town has that, is it special? Now, I understand wanting to preserve it for your own sake, but at a certain point, you also have to be like, are we preserving something in our town that needs to be preserved when we can go to another town and see it there? Like, yeah. and that's how like, much like, American per this? This is a general thing. This is a general thing. This is, as Americans, we cling too much onto the, the history side of things. It's funny because I think our normal criticism is that we toss it too quick. Um, but it's the obsession with like our old buildings. And I'm like, bro, it's it's almost
0: like
1: like, half as old as buildings in Europe that are in the middle of towns with skyscrapers going up next to them. Calm it down.
0: That's what I was about to say. It almost feels like to me, I don't want to say inferiority complex because that's not right, but it almost feels like you're trying to catch up to like these buildings in Asia and Europe that have existed since, like, 1200. And it's like, well, look, you're just not going to have that. And, like, I'm looking at this here, and the one thing says, this thing came about in the 1830s. That's not that old. This thing isn't even 200 years old. Like, again, maybe it's because I've been always in New Jersey, so there's towns by me that have existed since before the country was around. But, like... At least give me like sixteen hundreds here to have a case for preservation here. What exactly about this needs to be preserved? I don't. I don't get it. Like,
1: hey, hey, Murfreesboro. Hey Murphy, and then we gotta move on. Yeah. Hey Murfreesboro. Listen, friends. I remember Murfreesboro. I remember it for like one or two things. None of it was your historic district. I remember it for it was something else. That they wanted to build in your town, and everyone got mad and so mad that you like vandalized it a bunch and protested, and it became a big thing. Oh, that's right, it was a mosque. So calm down. We know you don't like things that scare you and are new. Hey, Murfreesboro, calm down. It's going to be fine. Like, it will be a good thing. And, you know, people can be mad all they want about new things, but in reality it comes down to you don't want to let go of the thing you have because you identify yourself with it. In reality, it's just things. And you can say, well, it's not just things. It's it's a place. Things happen here. That is the definition of things. They experience things with you. And then you let them go. It's okay. Look, maybe this is a bigger thing for the town. Maybe it's a bigger economic boost that we're not seeing. Maybe we don't fully understand it. I'm open to that. But your town also hasn't really bought themselves a good, you know,
0: you're in a uh, bad haven't bought
1: boat right benefit there. of the doubt when you also protest against the mosques that hard. Like, sorry, the only thing you're known for in the past 15 years is protesting something being built. So there's that.
0: And you know, it seems I, like
1: that's what you're known for, uh, not your old town.
0: Well, a neat little thing, you know, too, uh, is whatever. You know what the, uh, the number one thing on TripAdvisor is for by the what? way or Cannonsburg village is number 3 by the way um oh, nice. the it is Stones River National Battlefield hmm. yeah and the uh, fourth thing is the Stones River National Cemetery honestly here yeah. I'm looking more and more here and uh I feel like you're doing more of the Stones River thing like 3 of the 4 things are Stone Rivers like top 5 wise um also Neat little thing, the number 11 thing to do in uh, Murfreesboro, the Wat Lao Buddhist Temple.
1: Wow, oh, well, they're cool, the Buddhists, that's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, well, for now they are, at least. Uh, with that said, that's really all we have on Murfreesboro. I was going to do a deeper dive into the Stone Rivers, but that's just an opening another tangent entirely. So yeah. they are an option, Clarksville's apparently also an option, that's on the table. Also in Tennessee, I suppose the larger conversation to have at some point in time is what exactly is the goal and the map here on this expansion? (laughs) It seems like a lot of leagues, meaning everyone except for like the Pioneer and the Frontier, want that Southern market. So it seems like there's a push there. And who knows with the way the Atlantic League is ran, maybe eventually some of those Southern markets will uh, start talking over to the the American Association saying, hey, bud, you need an extra team or two?
1: But. yeah you're not wrong um definitely some potential intermingling i think maybe when we get a little progress on the murphy's birth thing we'll start to get maybe we'll we'll crack open that discussion or just some things slow down the offseason talking about like who else could be in the footprint if they were to go that tennessee direction for the american association because there's a big old gap between there and cleveland
0: uh you don't know how much i'm looking forward to doing the expansion episode of this show where it's wow, just so us good. rambling for two and a half hours about could there be a team in cheyenne no.
1: That should be like an audio one where we can like flight over a map essentially as we're doing this.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like,
1: and it's just also our phones Googling populations.
0: <laughs> I can see this shit now. Hey, keep it in mind. Yeah. Any case, we have other expansions we got to talk about. Uh, Atlantic League. Uh, there seems to be movement in the case of Charleston, Lexington, and Staten Island. We knew about two of these three. I heard about Lexington. I think you've probably have heard about Lexington. Um mm-hmm. I think we're both in lockstep in that frontier league seems to be the destination there.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, now the bigger thing from now I, I've, from people I've talked to had trouble finding sourcing on that, okay. um, until very recently. And what has sort of come around, uh, at least I will admit this is now my theory based on the rumors and the, what I know to be facts and what I suspect to be facts. Um, yeah, um, I think Lexington's ownership has not told the players about this, which is oh. a big deal.
0: Yeah, I because mean, if they're about they to be unemployed, they'd playing. like to know that,
1: yeah. Yeah, so if that's the case. I hate that. Um, and at this point, I'll say the thing, which I've been holding for a while because I've been hesitant to start. I, I, I tend to go easy on Lexington because I think people just think I'm biased against it when I'm really not um uh yeah man uh when it comes whatever they do next year uh, i don't know what the plan is necessarily um they need a new manager
2: okay
1: because barry lions is not it <laughs> like
2: oh that was a uh, I, heard it,
1: yeah exactly and it shows like it i have heard from as many people about Barry Lyons as I've heard about Gastonia, which is saying cool. something. So.
0: That's an indictment. Uh, he's
1: not, yeah. It's like Edgardo Alfonso vibes meets like the weird temperament of like Pete and Cabelia combined with like the lack of focus and care of like, call it Lexington's former ownership. Nailed it. Um, it is oh, a bizarre situation though. Like,
0: this feels like hey, look,
1: I, I'm tempted to believe he's giving his best and all that, but the fit ain't there. And, like, if they want to be successful in whatever league, they need somebody who knows how to operate an in any ball. And, like, I think you saw it, the way guys were jumping tip, um, the, the start they got to the second half, the roster moves that happened throughout the year. Um, it is definitely uh, a, a situation that needs to be watched going into next year
0: what you just described to me was basically like in the 1800s, you know, when Murfreesboro was popping off and they go ahead and take like all the drinks people didn't finish, just throw them into one jug and then serve that at a cheaper rate. Basically that.
2: Yeah.
1: And I mean, like this is, this has real effects. Like I've heard from a couple people now that I'm not saying that means a fact, but I'm saying that substantiates it when people are telling me it from very different independent sides that like part of Ronnie Dawson leaving uh, to play national was he just wasn't going to play for Barry anymore. Like the vibe is bad, man. So I'm hoping that Lexington gets that right. They seem to be doing some things right from an organizational standpoint. I think for Lexington, I think Frontier League is the right move. I think their overhead needs to be minimized as much as possible with the option that, hey, maybe someday they can start to take a little more risk Where they can just continue to put that extra money, you know, into the ballpark and the product. I think it's good. That place needs a lot of work. I think there was overhead that they did not expect when they took that team on. Um, so I think this is the, if they're going Frontier, I'm I'm encouraging that. Um, I've heard it from a few people now. Um, however, I do not encourage it if they're not telling, they're not being forthright with players, which also seems like a possibility here.
0: I would second that so, too. Yeah, I've heard it yeah. as well that Lexington to Frontier next year is the plan uh charleston the same boat there which do we know if charleston's made note of that to their guys seeing as their season's practically speaking done
1: so i'm hearing that charleston's looking more like a 2025 option uh along with okay, i have not so with charleston i've heard i'm more com- i've talked about this before i'm more confident because i've heard it you know a year ago literally from the owner of that team that he wants to leave the atlantic league okay so that makes sense um when it comes to Staten Island, I don't really, that's a, a front office, I'm not that well connected into, but I know that uh, it would seem that the profit has not been there that they are happy with. Um, I know there's been moments where they were really unhappy with dynamics of Long Island at times. Uh, I don't know if that was an open thing between them and Long Island, or it was just some way they felt, but I don't think they made much of a secret of it, whether they want to or not um i could see them definitely make a move and they fit well within the frontier league's length the the footprint um i think the frontier league is uh one looking to move west so it's you know that doesn't have gateway out on,
0: um, on an the, island just yeah. trying to
1: move out and out and out toward gateway as much as possible to minimize the travel in the west um trying to again solidify the east more as well get rid of the grays um it, i don't know if they're very comfortable with the jackals as they are so i think they're also looking to ways that you know yeah they can expand to 18 or maybe they're dropping a couple markets out and to like instead of expand to strengthen which is uh i always am willing to encourage a league to do that like it looked if they ain't asking me life but i you don't always need to expand you can strengthen you can shorten up your league and strengthen it league, think about it um
0: nope they're going to expand anyway
1: uh, oh god i know um i just think they need to, I, I, I am, mean, I think, um, I would, if I'm the frontier, they could be very careful Charleston. Um, I think Staten Island would be an interesting and cool call for them. I think it's a worthy, it's a worthy exper- experiment to go towards Staten Island. That's a new sort of range for
0: them. I like it. So. Couple of thoughts on that. One, I heard Charleston and Lexington for next year. That's what I heard. I haven't heard anything about Staten Island, so I can't really comment on that. That being said, I heard of a third market for for Frontier League, and I guess we could kind of just intermix Frontier and uh, Atlantic League talk here because I mean they're pretty intertwined at this point. That other market is does have baseball in it right now it's a college market i don't want to say which one it is until i get you know double confirmation on it but it they're no strangers to professional ball I'll leave it at that it would also fit it's more in the east so i could see that solving one issue there and supposedly Oops. they're going to take the role of the grays there so you would just basically span by two and replace the grays with that college team that said that's why I'm not sold necessarily on the Stant Island thing, if for nothing else. And I don't doubt that they're not happy with the relationship with Lang Island. That's been cantankerous for some time. And likewise, I don't think the profit's there, like you said. So I could see them jumping over. I just think if they jump over, there needs to be an additional team coming over there, over there with them. And that would bring them to, what, 20 at that point? Which was the supposed stated goal back when they merged with the Can-Am
1: yeah um and, and piggybacking off that i i do agree i think staten island is the most likely to not happen um in fact i would say it's a below 50 50 but that is at least was i've heard talked about um and i i originally heard staten Island's a more immediate thing of course that was more in the rumor stage from when i was getting uh, as i get more reliable sourcing i'm starting to hear back toward like the next year and like 2025 and with that i i I wonder if it was supposed to be earlier and then it didn't work out. And now they're like, well, maybe they, year are Like, I don't know. Also, there's probably a minimum number of years they got to play with the Atlantic. So it's in here nor there. Uh, I, I do think while we're on it, I mean, you got to wonder what's going on with Gastonia and the Atlantic League. Yeah. I think, you know, there's rumors of potential owners floating around. Uh, the big flex is that uh, right now, Gastonia, they had a hearing last, was it last week, I guess, about um the the land owned by brandon bellamy the owner uh that surrounds the ballpark and he originally went to commercial and like i guess I think commercial but also some sort of like maybe con or something i don't I don't know
0: like a mixed it's, use
1: I think thing was or... what was that
0: like kind of a mixed use thing too or yeah
1: i think so and it sounds like we're trying to zone it. The city is uh, like back to like purely residential. Ooh, okay. Um, like non commercial, which would be basically really put him up against it if he's trying to turn the thing for profit. Um, there's rumors that it could be up to like $5 mil in debt.
0: No. Um, I
1: haven't say that, but like one, I think we could to, be coming to a head.
0: Yeah. Just to jump in real quick on the rezoning to residential, yep. would that be single family rezoning or would that be multifamily? Because with multifamily, you could absolutely make the money back through condos.
1: Um, I, I don't know that one. Okay. I feel like it is single family, just based on the direction they're putting okay. Like it's pretty okay. transparent what they're trying to do. Okay. Um, yeah. I
0: mean, if it's single family, then yeah, he ain't making his money back on that shit. But if he could making it basically condos or apartment buildings, I mean, those will sell. They'll definitely turn profit on it. And I think you'd have an easier time trying to pass it off in a, any sort of a public forum to say hey we're building more housing that's an easier sell than hey we're going to do single family housing that's not really what anybody wants <laughs> like yeah. and it's there um, if it pre-exists people will defend it to the very end but-
1: yeah i think um uh, yeah i look it, that's i don't know we're getting into the we'll yeah. on that that's definitely coming to a head on whether or not there's going to be um like whether or not there's actually going to be something that happens that bring, that either keeps Bellamy and like pulls them in or pushes them away. That's gonna, the timing of that's gonna be very important because if there is a new potential owner, that's one thing. Um, hell, for all we know, part of this could still be like involved in, um, like, and maybe there's a new owner who wants to zone differently even or see if it can be zoned differently like we don't really know what's going on there but what we do know is the city's not happy with Bellamy um Mm Bellamy is in a bad spot with the city the citizens all that it's going to really hurt his ability to make some money so we need to see if he makes a decision here I'm not sure that this team under his ownership can so I'm not sure he can own this team for another year I don't know if the money's there um in which case whatever time he calls it quits is going to be very impactful because if he does it late if he does it like two months from now i don't think there's there might not be time to turn it around with a new ownership and like get that thing going in time for the league season without a significant amount of help mm. um there's also a possibility maybe a land league they're already dipping into their sort of like ownership slush fund of like in case of emergency like
0: the bailout th- the bank to money.
1: Pay players so uh, maybe they do that for a year there's so many options going on there but it's worth keeping in mind especially if the american association is going out the southeast way like that's interesting and also for keeping in mind like hey the atlantic league could be losing teams and trying to keep an even number is going to be interesting because now you're looking at hagerstown going out possibly lexington coming in and then you're like oh it's even but then who knows what's going on in gastonia that's all i mean to say there and the additional point being let's I typically write off the draft league teams as possible expansion options at this point. Um, but let's maybe, because I, I just think they would have done it before if they wanted to for yeah. the most part. But I know, you know, they're not really happy and Frederick is making the move. And with that, um, as I, I said you know, before we really started today, it's that is a six team league, the draft league. Uh, those GMs know each other. Those front offices know each other. The owners know each other. If one team is making the move to the Atlantic League, they probably know a good bit of the details they know a good bit of like the whys and the perks of it and look for maybe a little more movement there especially as this draft league falls down to five teams i don't know how sustainable that's going to be moving forward
0: i would agree on this on the sustainability struggle with that word of the draft league the only thing i would say is if i was a draft league owner well yeah i have a close personal personal relationship with frederick I'd watch Lexington as a cautionary tale. Obviously, there's a lot more going on with that situation, but Mm -hmm. they're all on a similar single-A or low-A level there, and they've tried to make that move to the Atlantic League. They saw how difficult it was. Frederick's obviously in a better position off the field. On the field, still not where we want to be, but that's something that can always get fixed. Obviously, the level of play doesn't necessarily determine the crowd. That's I think, kind of holds true. Meanwhile, you Mm -hmm. look over at the Frontier League, and you have Lexington now getting ready to make that move to drop down to the Frontier League. You've seen Tri-City. That was on a very similar level. They were a New York Penn League team. And a lot of the teams that are in that draft league were New York Penn League teams. So you see, hey, they're doing pretty well up there. They seem to be relatively uh, controversy-free, except for, you know, the once or twice a year Pete decides to say something or do something that he probably shouldn't do. But we all like, it's Pete. that's, that's what Pete does. And... You know, if I look at the situation, like the teams that are going to the Frontier League seem to be doing better on the field, off the field. The Atlantic League teams, they don't seem to be great. Plus, you know, let's say you're just Mahoning Valley, because I know you mentioned them uh, before we jumped on. That's really one of the few teams I know in the Draft League. So we're just going to go with them for the sake of example. They may not be the pre- the best one to use here, but we're just going to use them because they're better than Team A. If I'm Mahoning Valley, I'm like, hmm, which one of these leagues do I want to join? The Frontier League, where people are flocking to them like a lifeboat. And generally speaking, is pretty, you know, well-ran. We're going to ignore the current situation in Patterson for a moment. And my other choice is the Atlantic League, where it's like, okay, we have teams fleeing from here, or rumored to be fleeing, fleeing from here. And no immediate expansion market on the horizon. And there's apparently financial issues in a lot of these front offices. Where am I more likely to go? It feels like, at least from the outside in, the Frontier League seems to fit better with the culture of the team that's been, you know, previously established for many years. And if you're going from like only kind of sort of paying your players, would you rather go from that to paying the Atlantic League salaries, which are presumably higher than the Frontier League ones, or go to the Frontier? That's kind of like a mini step and it's much more in line culturally with what your fan base was used to when you were affiliated. Because I remember that being one point that Tri-City made when they went to the frontier as opposed to the Atlantic was we wanted a comparable schedule to what we had. The Atlantic League season was too long. It's not what we're used to. And it feels like Lexington ignored that. And I was learning the hard way about that. Obviously, again, complicated situation. There's differences there. But it feels like that Tri-City route and the Tri-City way of thinking is kind of the way that's winning out. So I do wonder if you're a draft league team, if you're not thinking in, along those lines, because I'm sure they still have a good relationship with Tri-City or at least some of the people over there.
1: Yeah. And I'll end it with this. I know I went long already on this, so yeah. I'll, I'll end it. But this. Is something that, I, I mean, I'm putting a lot of my <laughs> my efforts into lately, so
2: yeah.
1: it's uh, I'm going to have less to say on other things today. Yeah. Um I'll, my two things I'll put out, one is a fact, which is there's one league, one of the big four leagues where teams are like organizations are trying to leave. Uh. That's a flag, <laughs> you know, if you're in a, a team looking for a, a potential landing spot and you're go- you are going to make the sizable investment that it takes to go into the professional baseball realm and you're trying to find the right spot so that money comes back to you as soon as possible the yeah, number one thing is that teams are leaving number two on related is that owners talk and they they talk to each other they talk to other owners and leagues they talk to owners they know they talk to owners that are formerly of leagues who are maybe more freed up to talk about things
2: yeah.
1: and you know they're going to share that like behind the scenes as we know even just from people covering the league, the Atlantic tends to be a mess um and with that this is something that i've been working so i've been working hard on lately and i'm hoping i can soon get a video together on it but it's just so hard to get people on the record when it comes to uh the powers that be in the atlantic league um but what has been rumored and i've heard it from enough people at this point that i'm like it's a hell of a rumor to be going around from four or five independent ownership groups and people around them um for it to not have some sort of basis on what's actually happening here um but i'll give the the minute-long version of it which is essentially when you join the Atlantic League like many leagues you have to pay for your place in that league um I think the assumption many people uh would be that you're paying the league and be that a league office or a collection of league owners typically that um yeah, they would split the money on that one. So again, teams, you know, just like in Major League Baseball, the, the owners profit by expanding because they get the, uh, they
2: the entry for sure, fee yeah.
1: that team pay. Yeah. So um that is is a sizable sum of money. It, I I typically hear it's in the two to three million dollar range. Um could be over that. I, I suspect it's not, but it's still hanging on two to three. But uh yeah, point is that it's not a little bit of money for anybody involved. Um but what I've been hearing potentially is a situation that owners are not happy about within the league is that when that has been paid by some of the recent members of the league, like the recently joined members of the league that has not gone to the owners because instead of buying like a new spot in the league, they bought an existing spot in the league that was owned by Frank Bolton, the league's founder and the league's funder and head. Um, that the money would then is seemingly go to him is what is being rumored uh not to the ownership groups at large and then um, that would be despite the fact that the annual like membership fee being paid by teams uh seemingly has not been paid by his teams because like the teams that he used to own yeah. that uh, no longer exist you are you know possibly buying those spots instead of just whatever like you know it's the idea of, you know, fake, like, you know, when you get a dollar out of the bank, you know, it's like you, you put money in the bank, you, you put a dollar in, you get a dollar back. Who's to say it's the same dollar or not? Who's to say it's the same membership spot or not? He's just like, yeah, it's their membership spot. That's my team's, uh, despite they're not being claimed, but apparently I'm sure he would argue that he always puts playing money in the league and that's part of it, whatever. Um, this is all so hard to confirm because Frank Bolton pulls the strings, he runs things, but, that's it. And I don't know. I think lot well, of people tend to listen to this, so I'm sure I'll be getting some sort of message soon. But um yeah, just so you know, if that lands, uh, it's gonna be a hell of a YouTube video. It's already been a hell of a story. I've got about thirty minutes of video on it already and I'm gonna figure it out, but um it will also guarantee that I probably never work in Atlantic League again. That's one main, but I'm willing to live with that.
0: Oh, uh, I can hear the flock of ducks coming for you right now. Bro,
1: yeah, I know. It's alright. It's already gotten I've already gotten some interesting responses from people I was like okay thanks. Because, i'm glad i reached out
0: yeah because i mean it is an interesting proposition there because i mean you do notice he always does jump on for uh the teams that aren't doing so well and he can never tell like are you jumping on to try and save them or is there another reason for it because there is a pattern with it so on, on the surface like definitely appears that i don't have the same information you have because well you're you're like the uh I'm trying to find the best insight I can think of. I was going to say I am Sheffler, but that's almost insulting. So, like, the Jeff Passing. I
1: ask weird questions. Yeah, yeah. Passing. That's fair. Yeah. I'll take that one. That's fun. Yeah. I like that. I like the yeah. Jeff Passing. That's much on the transaction thing, but on, like, reporting things where the league is like, we're
0: going to fight you. So oh. we Then I found the perfect example. Rick Whitehead, or Westhead, from uh, the NHL that got uh, Chicago.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that.
0: Yeah, because he broke Chicago. With the whole uh, Kyle Beach That's thing. right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah.
1: So, I don't know. Look, yeah. it's coming together. I, I don't have a release date on it. It's the first time I'm mentioning it publicly at this point. But it's um, something. But it I I think it explains a little bit of the flight away from the Atlantic League currently. Is that, like, if that is the way things have been going, it's obvious why ownership is already kind of at the end with the league.
0: Yeah. It, it definitely is. And honestly, like, it continues to add on. And like I want to build on it more, even though I know we got like probably 45 minutes worth of playoff talk, so I'll just wrap it up here on this, even though I feel like I want to keep going on the train. But it makes me wonder more and more, because I mentioned to you a couple of weeks back, or maybe it was only a week ago now. Yeah, I forget. But how I said, I think more and more we're transitioning away from a leagueless structure where it's just teams are going to kind of go and play wherever they see fit. And it feels mm-hmm. more and more like we're getting to that point where Like, what do you really need leagues for? It feels like we're going almost the college football route of it, where it's like you used to have, like, regional conferences, and that's just where you were at. You were just playing your region, and that was all there was. And for two very different reasons, it's like, well, now you're not necessarily region-locked anymore. You can kind of pick and choose between leagues. And more and more, it feels like we're going to be sorting ourselves into, like, all right, there are two leagues here. You have one for, like... You're more double A level talent, and one for like you're below double A level talent. And yeah. it's your choice there. And I say it's different, even though the root cause of it is still money. Only in the case of college football, it's TV contracts. In the case of independent ball, it's like, well, these teams are expensive, and we're not seeing the same return that we were seeing back in three. And uh, even in 2010, it's like these attendance numbers are dwindling. We don't have the same income streams. And realistically, if you look at the big four, only one of them is not doing anything to try and correct the problem, right? Everybody else is trying new things. It may not be working, per se. It might not be the right direction, but they're attempting solutions. They're modernizing. One league Mm -hmm. is opting not to, and so either you have to say they really are comfortable in their position or there's a reason why they're not doing it. And that's gonna beg inquiry from that on
1: yeah um and i don't know it's it's so weird to figure out what the language is doing i think it it becomes more transparent as everybody else sort of steps up and like does you know interesting and you know
2: as people make moves for the future yeah
1: that they maybe are content with where they are for the most part and they're just you know it's sure they want new markets or whatever but it seems like as long as the people that matter are making money they're like yeah all right
0: whatever yeah i mean fair enough which i'll use this as my transition off of uh, expansion talk for the week which i think was very thoroughly entertaining and i'm sure and for like the next month and a half we're going to have this conversation every week which is yeah uh, which is going to be so much fun, but we'll transition <laughs> off it by going, you see the final score of that Quebec game tonight?
1: Ah, uh, yes. And they didn't blow it.
0: Yep. 14 boys. to five. It appears as though TJD came in and gave up too. They were like, I right, we're just going to throw something out there to get through this game. And yeah. Evansville was like, uh. we're we ain't getting swept. They were dead certain on that. So, uh, but for them,
1: yeah, they're like, we scored 12 runs the past two nights and didn't work out. So, we'll score 13 tonight.
0: Well, 14 tonight.
1: Oh, well, yeah, that's right. They tacked on that extra. I forgot about that.
0: Yep, three in the eighth. But yeah, uh
1: That's a good... It's a, there's a home right. run there, too. I a corner, man. But, yeah, yeah uh, and then more I think about, we, we talked before, uh I, I tweeted about it, but I talked with you before about, you know, who's going to throw game four for Quebec, and by the time this comes out i mean <laughs> we'll be hours away from knowing if we're right or might already know but yep. um i do think that that Gollard ramirez piggyback from quebec makes more and more sense especially we talked about about like well who's going to pitch in game five if necessary it's like you know out of the pen not as the starter yeah um because you can sell down it will be the starter but it, it, you know if you go two starters back to back you might take that weight off the bullpen, so you have those options
0: true that's is- it's true, yeah, because you are safe. The more you think because, about it, the more it makes sense. Yeah, because you figure Gullert could probably get through four. He got through the first rotation through. If you could just ask him to dig in and get you through four, Ramirez could get through get you through another four, and then you gauge it off of that. If it's a close game where you got the chance to win, you use a good bullpen arm. It's a game that's out of hand. And you just throw whoever out there, and then you have all but, what, two pitchers, really, at that point? Because obviously Ramirez and then... Uh, Gullet would be off the table but everybody else would be all hands on deck last game of the year no one's not available we're still getting ahead of ourselves here though because uh last time we talked quebec was still locked in the series with new jersey in fact that was just getting started evansville was still locked in there with gateway we were actually coming off a kona quickly monster shot to give them a series lead one nothing so I suppose we should recap those and then guess, get ourselves up to speed here as to what's happening in the Frontier League playoffs. So that way we can get the Pioneer League handled and then the American Association handled and then talk about what's happening in the Atlantic League. Because there is movement there tonight, but um, uh, starting Frontier League-wise. Uh, Quebec defeated New Jersey, as you could probably tell, but it took three games to do it. They took a loss in Game 1, which, as you will remember, had to be delayed due to the rain. It wound up going into extra innings before Keon Barnum uh, hit a long monster shot to give them a victory in a walk-off fashion. That was after James Nelson hit a home run to tie the game there. Not great luck if you are back in that regard. Although Keon really demolished that ball. It was a very nice home run there. Prince Fielder-esque, I may say. So you leave that game thinking, okay, you know, New Jersey may actually be doing better than i expected at least in my estimation i figured quebec was going to roll them and that most certainly did not happen uh in game one but game two comes around and keep in mind now there is no rest day. they have played baseball on thursday friday saturday sunday four straight they have to leave that walk-off game off of that you know high emotional status. go up to quebec play the next day they get shelled 14-2 i think that's to be expected And just riding off of emotion and the fact that that's a long bus trip and one team gets to go home and, you know, sleep in their own bed. Another team gets to go sleep in a hotel room. Very different situation there. So we wind up in game three, which is a little competitive for a little while. And then Quebec kind of broke it open. 115 6 and just ended that jackal threat. Um, Corrections, thoughts and other issues in that series.
1: Um, uh, I don't even, I mean, not much to say on that one. I mean, Quebec's type of team where it's going to beat them. You got to have things going your way. And it just, what they didn't, what you just did not need was no off day between games one and two. And, you know, huge win in in game one. Awesome. I mean, that's the problem with the other offense. It's always dangerous, but like they didn't, you know, damn like we learned a lot about a, of what a dangerous offense looks like in the rest of those games during that uh that series because quebec and i mean hell continuing on to this series right now with evansville i mean yeah they're fairly quiet tonight but they still were scoring runs early before the game kind of got out of hand it's yeah there's there's levels to this it seems like and, uh jersey ran out of talent essentially i mean it, it was always a concern if the roster it's almost when it you look at how they're using their experience and their players. A lot of it was on the offensive side of the ball, so if you're under good pitching, that can be at least somewhat quieted. Meanwhile, on the pitching side, I think they have troubles getting people when to pitch and uh, uh, hinge left. Like hell, I don't know. I'm a veteran pitcher. I'm not sure. I'll like, gamble my future paychecks and career p- uh, playing a hinge left and that weird outfield situation they got. So they had you go in with what you got, and Quebec was happy enough to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, they. that's the thing with Quebec is if there's weakness, they're going to jump on that in a heartbeat and it's not going to yep. be particularly close either. They're the kind of team that will kill you. And you make a point about the veteran pitching. And obviously that is an issue with New Jersey, even though the numbers kind of bear out. It wasn't as bad as it may seem, although the early results and the early feedback definitely did not uh, make yeah. you feel the most confident that if you're a pitcher there. So that's obviously going to work against them.
1: Especially the vibes are bad if you're looking to
0: sign. Exactly. And I feel like, and you may be able to back me on this, but I feel like there's a large contingent of those on the man- on the coaching staffs and playing rosters across not just Indie ball, but all of baseball that aren't exactly the most um, analytically minded. They're more uh, yeah. vibes-based. Yep. Would that be fair to say? Because I know I've certainly had managers that I was talking to going – analytics is crap i don't even want to use this shit i ignore it and i was yeah thinking,
1: that's uh familiar
0: yeah, yeah and i was like but i okay i wasn't gonna get into it because i'm not <laughs> even the biggest analytics guy myself but i'm like i do acknowledge that this there is some useful information here like i'm not running my whole like in-game strategy off of the numbers but like you know, it's definitely factoring into my roster building. Right. That, that's absolutely yeah. going to be a factor in it. It's never going to be 100% baseball still a game, you know, that's being played on the field. Weird stuff's going to happen. And a lot of the job of coaching staff is also personnel management. I mean, that's a large chunk of it too. There's stuff that can't really be accounted for because it's still, you know, human beings playing the game. That's that's something numbers can't really always factor in. But you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but regardless of the fact, um, it was hard to get pitching into New Jersey, and Quebec is a veteran team, they're a team that's been there, they know what to do when they're in that spot there, that coaching staff has been there, done that before, they're able to kind of impress that upon their team, and I don't think they really needed that, this is the Quebec team that had, what, a bad three weeks, four weeks, and then from there on has been the Quebec team we know, and so... You know, it's one of those situations where I feel like it was just a bad matchup for New Jersey, and in the if they had the right opponent there, let's say it was Tri-City, I like New Jersey a lot better. It's just Quebec was such a good team that they were quite literally their equal, and when you get into the coin flip there, they were slightly better than the areas that wound up mattering the most.
1: Yeah, and... um yeah, I mean, I'm reminded back in, like, it must have been December, I think it was, um, I was at the Black Sox, like, open tryout thing in Jersey, and Scalabrini nice. uh, was there, and I had a really interesting conversation with him, just, they had somebody who, like, you know, while I wasn't there wasn't there long, they helped with roster building, and the Atlantic League, and, uh, you know, the Frontier League is like a whole different world, and I was talking about, you know, what that takes, and. Uh, what it takes in a league where you, have you know, won a championship and, you know, what is the next thing that you do? Um, and he was right away. He was like, you need to tear it down. Um, he was like, this is not a league built for running the same team back over and over again. Like you cannot do that in the frontier." Um He's like, yeah, it's gotten easier since it was the Can-Am. But still, you know, you're working in limits of, you know, you've got guys you love and guys are core of the fan base that you know you necessarily can't get rid of because they're you know the clubhouse guy needs to stay but they're bumping to veteran level now and all of your bets are contributing on the field so you have to make a decision. So like immediately like he's in that mode and and the way you talked about like um understanding like he seems like compared to some of the other people i've talked to not all of them there's some really good minds in the frontier league front office but um th- the way that he seems to think through the challenges of having you know guys who are about to age up to the next experience level for the roster restrictions and thinking on how other teams rosters are you know facing restrictions and how he can sort of finesse that so that he is out of the way of potential issues coming up um while securing himself you know the best possible roster and also you know making the most of other people's you know tight situations when it comes to who's at what level of roster restriction so it, it was just very impressive so at no point is Quebec coming back into this after that weird like month or so. Surprising at all? He's one of those ones where I feel like there probably was very little panic over there. He seems like a guy who has a clear concept of how that frontier season sort of ebbs and flows. And uh, yeah, it's good to see that like somebody putting in the work and somebody that is passionate about it and passionate about indie ball is succeeding. Uh, that that makes me happy.
0: Well, I think it's also part of the passion, the experience that he's had in indie ball that. Uh, you know, drives the success as well. I mean, he's been there and he's done that for so many times. I mean, look at all the championship series he was in between the Can-Am and now the Frontier. How many of them wind up in losses? Not many. Mm,
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's how to build it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I can only really think of one, maybe two. I mean, like, I went through after the Quebec uh, series ended and it's crazy. Like, I do implore everyone to go to Wikipedia and look at the Quebec Capitals and look at their season-by-season record. It's,
2: yeah, it's absolutely
0: crazy. insane. And, of course, we got to talk about the other team that they are playing against, which is the Evansville Otters. They defeated Gateway in three, as you can probably tell. Evansville took game one with the Kona quickly shot. Uh, they lost game two 15-5, and then they <laughs> won 9-7 to clinch it although gateway made it interesting late evansville was largely in control in that one um a series where evansville i think just kind of keeps riding the high they beat a very playoff veteran savvy team in schomburg in round one they defeated a team that i think we both kind of agreed was more of a paper tiger in gateway but still was one of the better teams in the league even if overhyped um and they still managed to get through and beat up on some good opponents here. And they've held their own so far against Quebec. Obviously, they scored a win uh, last night. You could very well argue, if not for two bad pitches, they are lifting a championship right now. However, that's not exactly how baseball works. So maybe mm-hmm. a little presumptuous on that. But still, a, a solid postseason so far from Evansville.
1: Yeah, Um I mean, look—they're a well put together team. Um, a lot of arms that can get you out of the pen, which is cool. Um, I like, you know, I like a team with pitching depth and independent blocks. It's so hard to do, and even harder to keep together once you have it. But like, you know, um, God I'm just starting to think. Like, games where I really seeing them get out of hand on the mat. Like, I, honestly, it says a lot to Otto's tagging them the way they are. But um, like, I. Let me see, like, who is it? Tim Holgrafer, who has 123 innings pitch, which is silly, and a 2.65 year right on the year. And then, um, uh, he's been struggling in the playoffs, which is a shame because he's had a good year. But the point is, there's good depth. Uh, I like Braden Scott, the way they put together that uh, rotation. Uh, Parker, Parker Brahms, my God, I'm looking at like three different names here in my sketchy notepad that I've been using to like take notes as the playoffs go on. Um, but that, I, the concern is like it just that offense, man. They have it essentially amounts to a below average offense. And they even finally scored a lot of runs against Quebec, which is very impressive. But every game, I'm like, oh, God, it's just the one where it turns on them. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean in regards to the offense there. I mean, you, I kind of feel bad for them as far as championship series goes. They put up six runs in each of them, <laughs> but this is also a league where you need more than six runs. Uh, likewise, you look at their previous series, yeah, you got nine, but it was a 9-7 game. They got blown out. They only got five, the other one. Realistically, if not for Kona quickly, you know, just demolishing a pitch, they very well lose that series, right? I mean, they, we distinctly pointed out here, as we were recording last week, that that first game against Gateway, it was some shaky fundamental baseball. Man, like that was not quality work. There was a basis load situation. You have a catcher holding onto his mask and one handing a ball. Let's just say for the sake of argument, Dakota Phillips drops that ball and then a base hit comes in, scores two. All of a sudden there, it doesn't really matter about the kona quickly home run because it's still a 5-4 game. So I see what you mean by the offense there where it's like, it's more timely than it is anything else. I can only really point to one game where you had, you know, enough, and that was game three, where, which is uh, the 9-7 game, which, I mean, there really shouldn't be a league on earth where if you score nine runs, that's not enough to win a game. Pioneer League excluded, of course, but... Um,
1: it goes league excluded. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just looking at it. Um, and, like, I don't it, mean it, to be harsh, weird. but... No, I agree, and but it's weird because they continue to get it done as essentially the opposite team that they've been all year. So I'm looking at it. I mean, they gave up. They were basically tied to the lead league and home runs. Oh, all, like allowed. And I mean, they're tied with windy city. So take that for what it is um, 0.7 home runs per nine. Uh, so far they're giving up, they give up what eight home runs now in these playoff games. So they're yeah. over that. That's for sure. Um, by a good margin, uh, but then when it comes to like their offense, they're middle of the road. They're middle of the road on home runs. Hit six home runs tonight, dude. Damn, good lord! Like I'm, I mean, I was watching the game. out Corner my eye while we talked, and I prepped and I did some work. Like I did not know they absolutely popped on <laughs> Quebec like that tonight. Um, See, that is, and that's
0: that's part of it though. Is like at what point is timely offense good offense? Right? Like, is that yeah. going to be good enough to carry them through? I think we mentioned this either last week or the week before, where it's like, at a certain point, it doesn't really matter if you're a good offensive team, if you're still winning games and you're still scraping by. You know, when we said, if you're just getting by in games, are you a good team or are you a lucky team? And, like, when you get to this time of year, it doesn't really matter if you're good or lucky as long as you're getting the results.
1: Yeah, and I think there's something to say on the, like, you said, like, baseball doesn't work that way, where it's like, well, it's one bad pitch, you know, when yeah. we talk about those two losses they had. But, I mean, if you think about it, there is something you know, you can pull it apart and say like, are they just getting the timely hits in a way like six home runs tonight to score those runs. They've they've gotten 10, 13 home runs now across their seven playoff games. Um, but at the same time, they struck out 10 times tonight, 15 times last night, 14 times in game three with gateway, 13 times in game two with gateway. Like they're getting punched out and they are getting hits, but like you wonder how sustainable that is for how long, um, And on the same side, I mean, a lot of what they're, you know, giving up pitching wise has been, you know, bad timing. Like it's been three hits stack up on each other. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, now, oh, now we lost. (laughs) Like that's how it's gone. Then on the, but then tonight they go up 12 hits, run five runs, three earned. Like, well, what, I don't know what to make of it. This is, uh, Quebec has been odd. I don't know, you know, 14 runs tonight is out of character, but like that clutch hitting thing they had 11 walk-offs like nine of them at home this year like this is not new that is the Quebec team you kind of expect um and they got some dudes who can chuck it out of the pen but <laughs> this Evansville team is just so weird I, like I, I don't even know what's showing up the there today but it's they are entertaining as hell to watch I like it it's good for it's good it's good to watch I guess for unless you know feeling's getting too squirrely but um I for, I'm glad Evansville's the team that's representing the West, I guess is what, they're, what I mean to say. I was underwhelmed with the West division this year, but I'm glad that at the very least a, a, a kind of a a team you can root for and an entertaining team to watch has made it. And team, one that offers a weird and confusing mix that might be enough to challenge Quebec at times.
0: I agree with that. They've definitely made a more entertaining series than I think, say, Gateway would have. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because Gateway, I mean, they weren't just going to get demolished. Really what it comes down to. Although I am happy Gateway got there. They've been a team that needed some success for some time now. So I'm happy to see that they yeah. finally got something. And I'm glad to see Steve Brooks at the helm over there too. They're in good hands over there to you know, really keep moving forward and going in the right direction. So I'm happy about that. I think Schomburg would have been interesting too because they just did this with Quebec last year. So maybe a little too NBA-ish where we have repeats in the finals. But... I think that could have been a fun thing, but I'm far from disappointed that uh, Evansville is the guy, or the team rather, not the guy. There's a collection of guys, though, that are representing mm-hmm. the West, too. I think that they they are a bit of uh, chaotic neutral in all of this, where you just don't know.
1: Yeah, that's well said.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so there's that. Oh, as far as tonight goes, too, it doesn't help when you're cool back and you leave 14 guys on base.
1: That yeah, won't help.
0: can't do that. Yeah, Jess Miguel, uh Valentin, though, eight guys left on base there. One for five on the day, bud. Not good. Bubba. Bubba, no. One of them was a bases loaded situation, so that's four of it. But even still, you can't do that, brother. You can't yeah, leave eight uh, guys on not base. Not time. Although Greg Bird played solid three for four.
1: Yeah, man.
2: Uh, It
0: feels like there's three or four guys powering that Quebec offense. If you can get through, like, the first five guys in that lineup. um, But then again, TJ White and the choir there, too. And Seidel is also pretty damn realistically, actually come think, with there really is no weak spot in this lineup. Valentin's not killing the game either, but, like, still he's not terrible. Yeah. And TJ,
1: I think he got hit in the wrist a while back, and Okay. I he still had moments where he just really looked good, but then there's a bats where he just looks off, and I wonder sometimes if so that's still getting him.
0: Fair. True. So uh, I think we kind of touched base on both the championship and the uh, semifinal match there. Any other thoughts sure. on uh, Quebec we mentioned earlier? Uh, they had two walk-off victories, both 7-6. You could tell the writers are on strike because they just copy and paste the scripts Some back-to-back nights in games one and two. Um, obviously, this is going to go to four. We talked a little bit about the strategy earlier of using uh, two starting pitchers in game four tonight, meaning Saturday, as opposed to... Uh, more traditional approach. Uh, do we think this is going to go four? Do we think this is going to go five? Do we think it's going to be uh, keeping it home in Canada? Or is it going to be going to Evansville for the first time in a long time?
1: I'm um, going to use a cheat sheet. What did I say? I just did that math. Um,
0: I think your math had back as the favorite. Yeah, but I think
1: the math suggests it's more likely to go five at this point.
0: Okay.
1: I think when I did the I ran the win probably as I took into account the pitching matchups. And we know that, you know, as we discussed, it is a bit of a mixed bag going into game four for Quebec, but they do seem to have a better stuff going into game five. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that would be my guess. I'm going to say now goes five.
0: Goes five? And result is a. I'm still going Quebec. Okay. I'm I'm waiting. I think
1: it's. We shouldn't. I, I think it's. I'll feel differently. And this sounds very dumb and obvious. I would feel differently if if Evansville can win comfortably again tomorrow because the reason why even typically the the nerdy behind the scenes is even typically if you're looking at a team in a situation where they have to win multiple games in a row to survive and win a series um, even if they win all the way up they force it to the last game the odds tend to turn on them a little bit because it historically takes so much to make it to that game and there's opportunities along the way for the other team to start sort of you know, protecting their own resources and their own arms. So
2: Hmm.
1: yeah. um, If they can continue to save their best arms uh, and also win game four, Evansville might, you know, help out their position, but uh, Quebec would be a slight favor in game five. I'm willing to go that way.
0: See, I'm keeping with Quebec just because I believed in Quebec for so long. Now I'm not going to, you know, not keep riding the bandwagon. Sorry, Chris, but you know, it's, I got to keep with my Quebecs uh that said i do agree if it's a comfortable win or even like a confident win i do think there is something to it with that larger win i think there's a confidence effect there a kind of like a snowball down the hill where if you're able to start to put together two you have some momentum all the reasons you mentioned as well i think it starts to uh really add up and i think it becomes a lot more difficult to win it already they've shown that they can push Quebec to the brink, and now they've shown that they can really whoop Quebec. It's just yeah. a matter of they don't have any room for error. Quebec still has that luxury. and Yeah, let's the,
1: not sleep on the fact, too, that, I mean, will you could argue, basically won those first two games. Yeah, I mean... like They put together a more complete game up to the last inning, <laughs> and then they couldn't keep it together.
0: Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But at the same point in time, though, I do wonder if that game gets out of hand early, let's say. Fourth inning, mm-hmm. it's like a 9-2 game in favor of Heavensville. If you're Quebec, do you just start lining up the pieces for Sunday?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Just say, 100%. all right. Which one of you fielders want to go out and pitch five innings?
1: Who's going to wear one today?
0: Exactly. Like I feel like that's the obvious decision. Where are just like, all right, we're setting it up. And then if we're saying... Essentially, a full rested Quebec team versus a full rested Evansville team. That's why I'm I side with Quebec on it because I feel like if we're going mano a mano in a must win situation, I feel like it's Quebec. I really feel like it is. So,
2: I, yeah, and i
1: have a weird thing. I look at and I've mentioned it before talking about other teams. I think that I've seen it with this year. I I think winning teams have shut down innings. And winning teams also respond when they give up runs. And, and it's hard to, you know, game one, it held pretty true with, uh, Quebec. I mean, what was it? The, uh, Evansville scored two in the, f- or scored two in the fifth, Quebec scored two in the fifth. Then Evansville scored two in the eighth, Quebec scored two in the eighth. Evansville scored two in the ninth, Quebec scored three in the ninth game over. Like they answer right away. Uh, it was less so in game two, but I still think it's something worth noting that, um Evansville found a way, though, to do it three times tonight. So, hey, um, though, actually, that said, Quebec did it three times tonight, too. So, hey, that's what you get in the championship.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <I'm laughs>
1: hold the team back when you up some runs.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Evansville and Game 2 had the fourth inning where they got four. Quebec had the eighth and ninth where they had five. So, it does go either way. And I think it goes back to what we've been saying, which is championship teams avoid the blow-up inning. They don't let it happen. Yep. They they stopped the bleeding at 2. And I do wonder, again, if part of the reason it got out of hand tonight was a matter of Scalabrini saying, all right, this one's out of hand at 9-5. Because when it got to be 9-5, it was, what, the uh, fifth inning? So they got one back in the yeah. sixth, gave it right back up. Okay, seven, eight, nine. Okay, let's put up the white flag on this one. Let's start to set the chess pieces up for tomorrow. I wonder if that's part of it, too, and why they didn't have the punch-for-punch thing. Now, obviously, a bit different. Evansville got to run all but one inning tonight. So that's, you know, that's coming out playing with fire. I also do wonder how much of it may have been, like, a dead cat bounce, right? Where you get a little bit of fight there because, like, we're not going to go down in a sweep. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot why we were in this position to begin with. I don't necessarily think that's the case because games one and two happened. Because we saw game three against Gateway. But they do find themselves in this position a lot where it's a really close game the whole way through. But they do seem to always raise up to the competition level. So it really makes it tougher to call in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think you're right a lot there. Yeah, man. I don't know. I still like Quebec, but I'm impressed by what Evansville's been putting out there.
0: Definitely. So let's keep moving. Let's move over to the Pioneer League now. Uh, this will be fairly quick. We'll run through pretty much their whole playoff structure. Their championship starts. Actually, I think it starts today, the 16th. So that's an interesting little tidbit there. Uh, Ogden defeated Rocky Mountain in three. Uh, Ogden dropped game one, 11 nothing. At this point, we were both feeling pretty good about our thoughts on Rocky Mountain going to a championship game because Ogden had been absolutely dog trash then the second half yeah. and rocky mountain is pretty much the opposite of that then ogden was like hey wait we know how to play baseball One nine four, and then won a 3-1 final which is a very odd score in the pioneer league but they managed yeah. to do that so good on them we'll hit ogden real quick and then we'll move over to the other series which involves my mustangs with a great a social media by the way oh
1: yo electric
0: yeah. um love those dudes yeah
1: but when it comes to ogden i mean they showed up in ways we didn't expect um yeah i mean there's <laughs> that's i know a simple way of putting it but that first game i was like uh <laughs> this could be a this could be
0: this could be over pretty
1: quick. yeah this we could be in the third inning next game talking about the championship already um but yeah i mean they held Rocky Mountain seven runs in those last two games like yeah, for those who didn't see, it, it was eleven nothing in game one. So good lord, but um, then I uh, can they bounce right back. They heard, hey, if anything, you know, no strangers to getting getting punched in the face this year because they had a rough second half. So um, perhaps they weren't phased by that. But um, Brock Gilliam was terrific in game two, or is it game three? I think yeah, he did the game three. Um, yeah, it was just good, solid ball all around all around, which is something that. Usually, you don't see much of the pioneer. League, not to shit anybody, but um, I talked a little bit on Twitter about how good Dan Kubiak is out of the bullpen for them. He's a guy who was pitching the Atlantic League. How he's a bull either? My check his eight because he's done the full tour now. He's yeah. done uh, he was the American. He's done frontier
0: the, with the Frontier well, the things.
1: Pioneer now, Audrey, and the Atlantic League. And he's had mixed results at times. He has some good results at times, but everywhere he's going, struck out guys, and he is. Really, continue to do that, and uh, yeah, I don't understand how he. I never understood him in the Pioneer League. I don't understand why he's still there. But twenty-seven. I mean, I guess still why? Why would he not be there? He's barely got professional experience. He did not pitch from twenty sixteen to twenty twenty-one, so he's only got two years of pro experience going into the season. So if you're worried about your roster spots, like he's solid. Like it's
2: yeah,
1: it's crazy. I Man, last year in the Frontier League, got one year with Washington twelve point seven Ks per nine. Crazy. He's had some difficult times in the short Atlantic League stint. Uh, yeah. Very short, though. Can't even count that. Cleaned up in Washington, actually, the year before, too, with a 1-3 year, right, essentially. Doesn't he 13. feel like per- a hired Jesus. gun
0: for the Atlantic League in the playoff situation?
1: Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I wonder. Welcome That's to
0: Lancaster. Yeah, honestly, not a bad call. I'd say welcome um, to Gastonia, but he'd like to get paid. Oh, God. I'm going to keep doing that until they start paying their people.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I support it. Uh, but all in all, sorry to get distracted on that one. Yeah, uh, Ogden, they're very impressive. I'm glad that we're seeing more of the first half version of them, that second half. Um, mm-hmm. It is, again, silly that we can get away with the two-half system and basically punting half a season. Uh, again, also it's silly that uh, Glacier did not make the playoffs because they won a game ridiculous but uh, yeah man that's uh we won't sully the very entertaining pioneer league playoffs that it had. we can talk about uh how crazy that missoula series was
0: with Billings. believe me we're about to go there because i have not yes, been able sir. to watch much pioneer league baseball because they went to the evil empire of flow sports so i again refuse to pay money to them so that's where I, we're I, at there I appreciate that um, Yep, uh it definitely hampers my ability to cover this but hey you know they made their decision Yeah. You know? yep any they case are
1: okay with less coverage so
0: well exactly hey if you don't want free media that's perfectly fine and good that's their decision i know my mustangs <laughs> would never co-sign on something like that and obviously this ps <laughs> second half uh playoff system has helped my mustangs because they have managed to get in and in case anyone's confused it's because Billings is always responding and is very active on the platform formerly known as Twitter. And like they'll like stuff that's just openly critical of other teams or the league itself. They don't really care, which is just phenomenal. And I love that about them. So I started calling them my Mustangs, even though I probably have more connections with Missoula than Billings. But whatever. And yeah. Yeah. As I tweeted out to them last night when they were trailing at one point, I sent them the uh, Simpsons clip where it's remember, if you lose, you're out of the family. They did not lose. They're still in the family. You're still my Mustangs. Exactly. So, whenever What's they yep. Nope. You're saying something? They won game one, eight five. They lost game two, got thumped, sent to the glue factory, 13 <laughs> three. And then uh, they wanted to torment me last night by making a game that already started like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock my time go 12 innings and not ending till one in the goddamn morning. So not a fan of that, but they won it 8-7 over uh, Missoula, which honestly was a series where I was really happy with whichever team got there solely because like, I'm a fan of the guys in Missoula. We've talked a lot about Mike Schlapp before and the way he builds a team and the kind of coach and manager he is. I like watching him succeed. He's the exact kind of guy I want to see succeed. And he's just a really great guy to talk to. So I'm always happy to see Missoula doing well. In the case of Billings, like I said, I always got the connection there, but they had to fight and claw to get in here. And it is a shame that the way they managed to get into this uh, playoffs was through a team winning and then ruining said team's playoff spot, it feels like you should be able to win your way into the postseason. We've explained before the second half system sucks. Even if this is a rarity in it, it still should just be a non-possibility in it. And uh, it's unfortunate how they got in here, but they've proven that they deserve their spot in here. When you beat a Missoula team that was, what, a 65-game winner in the regular season? Something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, something like that. So it's extremely strong Missoula team, and they went toe-to-toe with them, and they they won it. So, all marks to them. A fantastic job there.
1: Yeah, and just a reemphasis on the need for fundies, boys. Oh, like, god. if you hadn't, wa- if for anyone didn't watch Game Three, um, Decisive Game Three, um, Missoula is down six to two after five. They work it back to a six to five game, heading to the ninth. Uh, in the ninth inning. They lead it off with a double. And then, uh, was it Andrew Bernard? I want to say Austin Bernard. Jesus. Um, but hey, other way, guys, wrong <laughs> name. Austin uh, Bernard doubles. He gets, th- he tries to extend to a triple. Again, this is a off. Uh, instead of staying on the second with nobody out and one run ties the game, he gets thrown out. Um, then, uh, they get a walk. And then <laughs> right after the walk, Cameron Thompson comes up, hits a double. Run scores. He tries to stretch it to a triple. He gets thrown out at third also. So it won the game could have already been over if Bernard didn't get thrown out. Um, but Bernard, you know, not under maybe I don't want to say not understanding. I was seems very insulting, but like not prioritizing the value of having a guy on base on second with nobody out in a one run game. Um, and then again, Thompson being willing to roll the dice, uh, on, you know, Having a tie game with one out and a runner on second, rolling the dice wanting to get to third, and yeah, it's just it's bad. It's bad baseball. It's frustrating to watch because it, it's frustrating to see a good team have their season, you know, go down. I hate to say because of that. A lot of you know, it's a long game, it's a long season, long series. But hell, man, <laughs> they well, they would have won. It's a you critical
0: know? juncture, uh, and it's the thing is to hijack the the point. We've seen it now in that Game 3 and Elimination game. We're going to talk about Chicago-Milwaukee as a series. we got some other stuff to get through, and we'll run through it quickly in the American Association first. But Chicago-Milwaukee was plagued with this, too, in Game 3. Just a lot of poor fundies all the way around in that game. And it's been an ongoing issue. We mentioned earlier the Evansville situation in Game 1 of the semifinal. Right. And we were talking about this off air where it's like the clock struck playoffs and now everybody's kind of forgotten how to play baseball again and it's not like is it nerves is it the I want to be a hero is it just like the mistakes are more magnified now because the games are less and they mean more like is it a combination of all of them is it a hidden fourth characteristic like why is it this bad is really the question. And it's like Little League mistakes, too. It's not calling for a ball. It's not trying to catch it with two hands. It's trying to stretch something that should just not be stretched. It's minor stuff here, and I I just don't get it.
1: Yeah, and I'm doing the breakdown of the numbers on my end, but it basically amounts to... um, so, essentially, the win probability in the situation with, uh, if you're on second there, if you stop at second with nobody out, your win probability is at 42.5%. If you get to third, it bumps up to 47%. But if you get thrown out, it falls all the way to 10%. So, like, that's, like, the thing that you need to be talking about. So, like, you look at it, you like, well, a sack fly brings them in. Well, you know, the odds of a sack fly happening or something that happens that would only square you from third and nothing happening that would square you from second is pretty minimal the odds of being thrown out are pretty good like, apparently because it happened twice um then if you look at the sec the follow-up situation the odds if he stood if he stayed on second cam thompson did the odds of winning that game that inning or like well at least the odds of scoring a run that inning well it's, it's like yeah it's pretty. It's like 26%. The odds to win the game are 72. You could bump it to 83 by getting the third or drop it to 55 by getting thrown out. So they cost themselves about 50% of win probability there just by getting thrown out twice at third base. And
0: three so trying to stretch something to get the third essentially was the equivalent of bet 100 to win five where like Uh, yeah yeah, it's a slight bump but it's just not a good bet there's just not enough to gain here yeah exactly right so not great boys not great at all so we want to keep this moving because we still have to get through the american association our props and predictions as well as just a quick update as to what's happening in the atlantic league here so with that because, said,
1: boy, am I up. time wise now?
0: Yeah. Um, that said, quickly looking at the Billings Ogden series is a best of three series, as a, is a round one, starts the sixteenth, game two is the eighteenth, uh, if necessary, game three will be on the nineteenth. Last two in Billings, first one in Ogden. Uh, quickly in about say twenty seconds, what are we thinking about that series?
1: Oh man, I was about to do the a uh, probability chart on that. <laughs> no <laughs> right? numbers. It's on the list of I'll things say. to avoid. Yeah, well, uh, I'll say... Uh, I'm trying to think on it. I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I'll try to comb- I'll figure it out <laughs> in like the 30 seconds that you talk.
0: Isn't... The numbers are a crutch. We'll break them of that. The NASCAR man needs numbers. but oh,
1: dude, I, I push it out of my brain. I was like, cool, that's done. Now I can just think about like the Quebec series and the, M- and the start of the American Association. I'm like, oh, shoot, that's right. I still need to talk about those series in the meantime.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking at it here again, having not been able to watch much of them being behind the flow sports wall, just judging off of what I've seen here, if we're judging overall bodies of work, I probably think Ogden's highs have been higher than Billings' highs. That said, I like Billings a lot more. They had to do more to get in. They understand that they're essentially on borrowed time here. I like the momentum they've had. I think their first round matchup was a bit harder. So maybe that, you know, kind of erosion, that fatigue that they have is a little bit larger. But overall, it's a three-game series. Really trying to draw anything out of a three-game series is hard because it's baseball. Anyone can have a good, you know, four days. So... I'm going to say Billings. I'm thinking momentum matters here. I don't know how much uh, numbers are going to play into something that's such a small sample size. But uh, overall, I I think Billings and three. I think Ogden's able to take one of those first two. I think Billings understands the significance of it. They take uh, the other one, and then they take a very big game three that's going to be at home for them.
1: Yeah, what throws me with Billings is – part of the reason I like them so much going into the playoffs, I actually did like them more than you might think was Mm -hmm. because they did give up 18, 25 runs in three games, but they survived. So I'm like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like trying to, I got to scroll back and like, remember who got hit and who, who didn't, but like, um, it is tough to sometimes make something of you know certain guys where you're like, damn, his numbers look good every time a team looks good, but then you're like, well, how many times did like, sorry, sorry, catching a stray here, but like, how many times did you pitch against Idaho Falls? <laughs> like, uh, so that's the one that that kind of messes with me sometimes when it comes to the Pioneer League, but um, oh god, I still like that Billings pitching staff. I I, I like Billings, but not as much as I might have liked Billings if you told me before that series that they survived Missoula, I would have been like, Hell yeah, I got feelings. Like and they're playing Ogden, I would be like, Yeah, I feel really good about that. And now I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't pretty, man. Like the bullpen got hit, the starters got hit. Like everybody got tagged at some point. And Don't and the offense even showed weakness in the middle game. I don't know. It makes me nervous. Don't think about I, I it. Think Just so ride
0: much. with my Mustangs. Uh,
1: I'm with you. I'm
0: going Mustangs. Just ride with the Mustangs, that's all. Many fight back against audience weird social media. Okay, so Moving let's on. talk Real to the American West. Association so we could wrap it up. Uh sure. well go ahead, we'll knock out both of the uh well, we have four. Oh, God, yeah. I forgot this is the launch playoffs, too. <laughs> I struck yep. out this poorly. Oh, well. Chicago defeated Cleveland in three. They lost game one. Then they won the next two. Uh, they just kind of demolished Cleveland in game three. The Cleveland effect of having to go to Texas and play in 100-degree heat definitely was an effect in game one. They got back to the friendly confines of Rosemont, Illinois, and that definitely changed their immediate thoughts on that series.
1: Yeah, that's kind
0: of what we thought would happen, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's pretty much all there is. Got Yeah. got th- that, that that to We time talk about yeah. The problem, what? too, is like, this has been like a week long. Like, this series has been over for about a week now, so it's hard to realize. I know, yeah. I know that. That's why at least these first four are going to go quickly. Milwaukee defeated King County in three pretty much the same boat as the chicago series only they were at home for game one got demolished 11-2 took the l went on the road to Kane county won 9-7 then one 4 nothing. they got better with each game um you know they look good in game three game two was a was a hairy affair i believe that was a walk-off if i'm not mistaken so got better uh, certainly as it went along any other thoughts on that series um
1: not really if i'm honest um uh, yeah not really I'm. I, I it was so long ago and like the teams that we're talking about are still playing so we're like I got other things to stay on them
0: <laughs> well one of the four is uh, yeah fair Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another one of those teams that are playing Kansas City defeated Sioux Falls in two games one of the two sweeps in this round 9-1 and then 4 nothing so I guess you could say it got worse in some areas but uh, this series I think we could pretty much define as we expected this Good for Sioux Falls for breaking their slump. Proud of them for that. I also saw Myers got named uh, manager of the year. I may have yes, won. he did. All I may well won. See, I would have went Steve Montgomery. I don't think it's not deserved, but I just feel like Montgomery. Oh, okay, for it.
1: fair. But, Especially all things considered, different topic.
0: But, uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on the Sioux Falls series? I think it pretty much went as we thought.
1: I, I was really rooting for them to win one, because I felt like Kansas City is most interesting when they get stretched to a third game. Like, I felt like Kansas City, I I definitely felt that they would be a, in the championship. I felt that they would probably also have to play three games um, to make it there over Sioux City. But I felt like the whole thing would have been a lot more interesting if they already had to play three against Sioux Falls instead of getting through and lining up their pitching again. So I was really rooting for it. One, because you want to see Sioux Falls get one. Um, Especially two, at home. Yeah, like, shake things up a little bit and see... Um, and see what happens if King County gets stretched a little. But, yeah, wasn't the case. King, or not King County, I can't City But, uh City, mm-hmm. City man. It's a damn solid team. <laughs> That'll yeah. be a theme of conversation for a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. And trust me, there's an interesting Game 3 we'll be talking about in a moment. Yes. But, um, anywho, uh, that brings us to the final one. Sioux City defeated Fargo-Moorhead in two as well. 8-6 final in Game 1, 2-0 final in Game 2. Game 1 was another one where we were like, okay, this is an adventure. Game two, not nearly as eventful. Um, I thought this was going to go three. I thought Fargo could at least get one. Uh, But Sioux City did prove to be the better team overall. Uh, It also feels like a case where Fargo has to look at themselves in that. I don't think anyone really thought they were going to have a long playoff life. But um, it did still feel disappointing from that team, all things considered
1: yeah when you see them lining up with sioux city which is a team that isn't you know a powerhouse
0: yeah they're not overly impressive
1: yeah i think in that we kind of felt there would be some sort of fight you know they've been there before so you think they might just make it out just on having experience and some Mm -hmm. you know some guys that stand out but yeah man it's just it's a year that team, you know, we kept being like uh, they'd go in, uh, uh, they'd have a bad week and then they'd have like a better week, not a great week, but a better one, like a, an over five hundred week. Like, all right, here they go now, and then they would, you know, drop three out of six again and then two out of four. you're Like, well,
2: yeah, what the hell, like-
1: man? And just kept going. All of a sudden, like season got late on. I don't know, you know, it was so different. You wonder if maybe there were some transactions that didn't come through or just some things that some guys who weren't who they thought they were. But yeah, very weird to see even. And a lot of the games felt flat, which is also kind of weird for some of those Chris coast teams that we've seen over the past couple of years.
0: Yeah. I th- there was also a lot of injuries there, too. Alex Dubord wasn't the yeah, same. Yeah. Alex Dubord, and he was hurt for a bit. Silviano was injured for a while. You know, there's issues there. And Silviano did his job in the two playoff games. I mean, he was the sole source of offense, it seemed like, for the team. So I'm not going to blame him. But, yeah, for overall, a team that returned a lot of pieces from last year's championship team, it obviously there's turnover, but there's always turnover. It just felt like a very toast kind of season. And it, the way I kind of described this matchup going into it, it's almost like if you heard, oh, Auburn's playing West Virginia football. You're like, oh, that should be a competitive matchup. That should be pretty good. Those goals are pretty even. You know, one's clearly a little bit better than the other, but like, you know, it should be good. And it wound up being more like, no, no, it was more like, I guess Tulane playing Western Kentucky. <laughs> it's yeah. Like,
1: oh yeah. That's the fair way to go about that.
0: Yeah. They put in college football terms. So yeah, uh, I think that pretty much does it for that opening round. Uh, let's get to the semifinal round. Um, we'll keep it with Kansas city and we'll keep it with uh, Sioux City. It went three Kansas city took it in three Kansas city dropped game one, eight to one, you know, kind of shocking. I don't think we really seen Kansas city get pushed around like that. Yet, they answered back with a 5 nothing shout-out. So, they were like, hey, we're still Kansas City. And yeah. then game three. Man, was this a fun game three, wasn't it? We had, what, five ejections? And, yeah, man. And some questionable officiating behind home plate. And uh, it was obviously a very emotional loss for Sioux City on a, on a series of levels.
1: Yeah. Um, this is off the back of, like, another... Was it was uh, in the, the Quebec games. I was not impressed with the umpiring, yeah, especially in game two. And uh, I always forget her name. Uh, Tanya, I think, who was up in that game. I kind of kept my mouth shut because, like, I don't know. Like, I don't watch enough of those games. She could be pretty good. It's just a weird camera angle or whatever. But it seemed everyone was mad, which, again, if everyone's mad, maybe you're actually doing a good job. But um, yeah. I, that was that kind of left me like, oh, boy, like, are we about to have an indie ball playoff You know, marred by umpiring, and then that JJ January game, man, it's brutal. Look, I don't know. I'm in the background. um, I'm not as well versed in the umpiring crew situation out there. They they were comfortable enough to go with him in a playoff game, um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what the deal was. Uh, Yeah, Uh...
0: yeah. Yeah, I
1: uh, we haven't seen much. We haven't heard much about it since, but definitely the, the umpiring itself was not great. I think it was probably unwise and poor situational awareness to chirp as much as they did, especially after ejection started.
0: But mm-hmm. yeah, man, just that's it's not, the thing I want to point not out. What was, you want for the league, yeah. I'm not sure about you, but I know I tuned in after the Chicago Milwaukee game, which we'll talk about that in a minute. But so I didn't see the first two ejections, however. The broadcast mentioned that the first two ejections one was a Sioux city one was a kansas city that happened as a result of arguing balls and strikes which if you're arguing balls and strikes you can expect to be ejected you can't do that that being said the zen ejection was bad i get it yeah. he was mad and it was kind of funny because when he jumped up his chain wrapped around his ear for one second there and that was hilarious to watch him arguing with the chain around his ear but That was a bad one. I believe it was a bases loaded situation or at the very least runners in scoring position situation. Full count. Pitch comes in. Good job by uh, Herman behind the plate to frame that thing because he took what was an inside ball and dragged that thing right over home plate. And he got rung up on it. Now, Zim was not happy about it. He should have been equally as upset as he was about it. That was ball four. That should have brought in a run. And that changes the game that wound up being a three-run game, which at that point, they didn't quite have nine there. That said, keep in mind, it was a 6-1 game for a very long time. You can't allow eight unanswered runs and expect to win a ball game. That's first off. Secondly, like you mentioned, once you've already had guys ejected, the warning period is gone. It's going to be a hot Mm -hmm. gun from there on out. So... You can't be chirping them like the Sheik's ejection. I get it. Not a great zone. And as a pitcher that got screwed by that zone, I get it. You're going to be annoyed. You're going to voice your opinion. Also, expect to get run. So you got ran. It's going to be a thing. Also, it's always great when they got to walk through the crowd to go to the locker room. I find that oh, hilarious. yeah. It's phenomenal. But yeah, it's still a bad luck to have four or five ejections three of which from the same umpire in an elimination game. It's a bad luck to have some very questionable zones in an elimination game by the umpire that ejected three guys already. It's just, it's not great. And the thing is, too, I still feel confident Kansas City wins that game regardless. But the fact of the matter is, it does mar it a bit. It does kind of put a mark on that. Because now we don't know, and it is a three run game. That's a game that could flip, especially with a baseless loaded walk there. All of a sudden, now let's just call it 9 7. Another guy comes up. That's a base hit away from a tie game in a totally different situation. Now, the same thing that could be said about a lot of the Evansville ones or a lot of, you know, like the base running mistakes that we were talking about in the Billings Missoula series. If the mistake doesn't occur or the outcome changes, A pitcher's approach is probably going to change, too. They're probably not going to throw the same pitch that wound up getting hit in a later at-bat in that at-bat because now the situation has changed. You're going to be more conservative you know you have a lead-changing run right behind your head. So, you know, it's hard to play the would-you-rather-or-what-if game because there's so many variables in it, it's hard to say. It's like it was a mistake, it was a problem, and it definitely out it affected Sioux City in a negative manner and what I think it's fair to say could be the last game that the X's ever play. So, yeah, if I was a Sioux City fan or if I was with the team for a long time, I'd be pretty damn upset too.
1: Yeah, um, that's all fair to say. Um, I mean, we kind of had a similar conversation a little bit ago about, yeah. you know, it's how you respond to things and you need to understand I like, yes, you might want to yell, but you need to understand that there's bigger things at stake. And again, you know, you point the finger at the upball you want, but you glue that lead and it takes it takes a village. Um Yeah. Um I guess my, I linger on one. Um Kansas City is quick at baseball, it's hard to beat them. Um I mean yeah, man, they're just a good ball club. Um, I'm just, I'm looking at the box where it's like, yeah, it's like I'm looking at the lineup, it's just a complete lineup. Yeah, that's, and it's going to be a problem to deal with for Chicago. I like, we'll talk on Chicago, I guess, briefly because I, yeah, I'm in a timing situation currently, but yeah, I guess okay. the thing that's worth mentioning is the the big thing that we've seen now since this is the nothing official, but the way people are talking that uh, are around Sioux City. Um, it, it's seeming very.
2: Um, it feels likely. Slash
1: likely that we will not be seeing the C City Explorers uh, again in, in the American Association, unfortunately, which is uh, which sucks. I mean, we talked before about this. That's why you know I don't want to overly hash it. And um,
0: yeah, and we'll go and over also, it more uh, next week too.
1: Uh, yeah, once there's official news, we're gonna talk about more. But it, it sucks. It sucks. I mean, it, it's uh, you know, I, I think of it this way, and you know. It's easier right off. Well, the market's not good. Well, they did this one, they did that
2: one,
1: you know, whatever. But, like, I was thinking of it this way. To some little kid, this is a tragedy, and that sucks. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I hate that.
0: Yeah. And there's probably at least one or two baseball careers that don't start because they're not there. And that's that's an unfortunate reality, and it's also a bad luck to see teams, you know, going away. And they are a legacy team. They are one of the founding members, and to lose that Mm -hmm. is certainly notable, and we'll go into more detail about it when we have more time to you know then at the end of the day too there's the on paper boardroom decision as to whether or not it's a you know practical thing or not and then there's the actual you know boots on the ground thing where it's you know whether it's how devastating it is and what the actual effect is so that's unfortunate there and yeah, it's just a tough way. If that's how it all ends, that's a really tough way for it to end. And for someone that's been a fan of that team since like 1993 when they came in, that's a tough pill to swallow. That that's the last you have is that game. It's, it's tough. And I'm sure Josh Shop's phone is going to be blowing up on his way back from Tennessee about that game and he's going to be hearing about it. But, um, yeah, in any case, we do have to touch on uh, Chicago, Milwaukee and then, just get over I will a couple say, of things. City
1: yeah. did put out. Um, Big Sports did put in a proposal to lease the ballpark. Yeah. Um, Northwoods League also did, and who knows? There's no real comment on how that's going to go, and it seems the relationship with the city is not great, so that's why we're not optimistic.
2: But, yeah, anyway.
0: yeah. Then also, when you have people that have been with the orc for you know a dozen years, and they're tweeting out what feels like love letter type of tweets, like this is the end of this chapter it tells me that they're clued into something that they yeah the
1: type of people who would know
0: yeah this they know just they won't say so yes I agree. it's what it is let's get to chicago just, defeating milwaukee yep. in three they dropped game one four to three then they won the next two three to two again lazy writers that's what happens when you have scab writers uh mm. game three man that's another one we were coming off of where it was like hey he <laughs> this isn't uh what I signed up for when I heard there was multiple elimination games tonight because Milwaukee was in control for a very long time. Chicago had one hit and Cody Bohanik should really be the only guy that deserves any real credit in the Chicago win pitching staff too. They did a good job. Not not going to lie there, but from an offensive perspective, Cody Bohanik's the reason that they're playing for a championship right now because he did pretty much everything kept them alive. Uh, Milwaukee didn't help with some amateurish fielding. Certainly, Peyton Gray got stretched a little too long. Don't really love my closer throwing two innings. Although, again, in a put them down type of game, I kind of need my closer to go ahead and give me everything you have, bud. You're the best arm I have in my bullpen. So I I hate that for my guy Peyton Gray, but it is what it is. And uh it just felt very fitting after watching that game that it would end on a little bloop single over the third baseman's head into no man's land. It just felt so fitting.
1: Yeah. Um that's not like the chaos of that game, no race, how good Chicago's pitching was in the series. Fair. Um I mean uh Joe Weiland, he was great. Nick Green was nasty the day before. Um yeah, I mean they they held it down, man. That pitching staff. I mean, what they allowed? Um, they allowed eight runs total, four in the last two. That's hell of an effort, man. Um, yeah, really. I was impressed. I didn't, I didn't think Chicago was going to bring that to the table against a team like Milwaukee. That was, that was, yeah. I mean, I don't want to double down and say impressed again, but I, I was impressed again. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's part of. It. I mean, I'm just looking at the amount of time the bullpen covered last game because i mean they really did there was a bullpen game last night and you know you're d- you're deep in the game if you're chicago so when you're doing a bullpen game you're not betting on going 11 uh, you map that out for nine and um the fact that they were able to to make that work as well as they did was pretty impressive um and by the way that was 8.2 scoreless from the bullpen last night it was crazy damn um yeah bro
0: <laughs> right um that gives me a lot of hope for, uh, honestly. And I'm going to use this as my segue here, even though there's a lot I could say about Milwaukee. I'll leave it at that because I do like Milwaukee as an organization, and I'm a big fan of Anthony Barone and a lot of the guys in the Milwaukee team. So we'll go ahead and we'll segue off of that. And also, for time's sake, into the Kansas City Chicago Championship here for the Miles Wolf Cup. And I am praying to the good Lord this is going to be a sweep one way or the other so that way we could talk about on the show, and I'm not going to have to go ahead and. Uh, have to talk about a week old series on my return from Boston so Kansas City's playing Chicago game one's on the 16th game two is on the 17th game three is on the 19th game four is on the 20th game five is on the 21st so first two in Chicago next three in Kansas City that's if games four and five are necessary I kind of like Chicago in the sense of they can really fight back and their pitching's really solid. I am afraid that they kind of burn through all they have to get to this point. And their offense scares me because it's pretty much like Luke Mangiari, Josh Altman, and Cody Bohannock. And on the flip side, Kansas City is like, huh, we have nine guys that can all hit. And their pitching's also pretty damn good. So like on paper, they should be the Monarchs. But there's something about Chicago that has this kind of Cinderella vibe to me.
1: Yeah, and you have nine guys that can hit, but Chicago should showed sure they have nine guys that can pitch. So that's, like, this is going to be quite a matchup, and it's going to be interesting as they get deeper in and the depth gets tested, too. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, that bullpen for the, the dogs, pitched 13 and two-thirds innings and allowed one run this series. So they show that they can do it from just about anybody that they go to there. Um, yeah uh i you know the numbers looking at the win probability it, it does lean kansas city but when i say lean i mean it. it's like 51.3 percent for them to to win the series so it is not by any means a certainty it's one of the closer series we've seen the playoffs when it comes to that so um yeah i i i want to say what makes me nervous is just you know kansas city has had moments where they could really pitch well uh they had one game where they did not hit well. The dogs pitch well in every game, but the dogs also, you know, we talk about them only giving up eight runs. They also only scored eight runs against Milwaukee. So that's where I started to get worried um, when it comes to them against Kansas city. So yeah, I- I'm hesitant. Um, Kansas City took four out of what seven in this, in this season series. They scored a lot of runs against them, but that was back in June. So, hard, to, there's not much to go off of here, but man, it's hard to go against Kansas City. I'm rooting for the dogs, I'll tell you that much. I want to yeah. see them
0: win. I'd agree with
1: um, that. I, I, I Nothing against Kansas City, but I, I like that energy. I've seen something, I've um, seen the dogs get done.
0: Yeah. I mean, they could clearly have some Miami Marlins vibes in here where it's like when they make the postseason, they win. Only in this case, yeah. they've made the postseason before. This this is the first time they've ever won a series, was beating Cleveland, yeah, right. and then they beat Milwaukee. So I'm like, maybe it's like if they get one, they get them all. So I'm definitely rooting for that. They're more of an, and pardon the pun, an underdog story, which nice. that's the title if they win. By the way, for the next episode, it's of underdogs. But in any case, sometimes they write themselves. It's just like you said, it's so hard because Kansas City has done it before. Kansas City's been such a dominant team since taking the Monarchs brand. And I'm also wearing my Negro League shirt right now. So I kind of feel like I got to pick Kansas City. But like I am rooting for Chicago. I think they have the better story. And um, I feel like uh, I feel like there's just something about them where they could get it done. They've defied the odds so far. Why not one more? Right. So we'll see how that plays True. out.
1: Yeah. I feel like we kind of agree. We're leaning like lightly toward Kansas City, but we're kind of rooting for Chicago.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Because you just look at Kansas City and you go, how could they not? But then you're like, but there's a chance. Because there's yeah. just, there's, and I think it comes down to I haven't been overly impressed with Kansas City this postseason, but I have been impressed by Chicago. Now, is that just right. due to expectations? Very well possible. But for whatever reason, that's where it lies. So why don't we move yeah, that's on? That's where I'm at. Yep. So why don't we move on to the Atlantic League now? Just get a quick view at the playoff picture there. Their season's ending in a few days. So let's get a look at that playoff hunt, and then we can do our last bit of wrap up news and get that out of here. Uh, Gastonia has won the wild card. Lancaster mm-hmm. clinched the North tonight. Yes?
1: Yes, they did. So really, there is no playoff hunt now
0: yeah so i mean that's pretty much all said and done yeah because high point wins it it's gastonia so it's really just a matter of uh how it all winds up shaking no yeah it really doesn't matter yeah but yeah so that's pretty much what it is it's going to be high point gastonia and uh lancaster's long island right yeah yeah now oh, that um that was quick and easy
1: yeah, exactly right. And uh, we can talk about what we feel, I guess, on that one. I'm trying to remember when the playoffs start. It might I think it's going to start by the time we record, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think it starts actually like the day after or the day before. I think it's either 19 yeah. or 20 it starts, if I'm not mistaken. I think season ends 17. They're off 18 and then 19 it starts. I'm pretty sure of.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I had it written down I, a couple
1: weeks I ago. I really have to sit and think about how I feel about these playoffs because we got some Really good matchups, I mean, and uh, I don't know what to think, especially now that the, the Ducks have really heated up over the past couple of weeks, they've been getting after it. So,
0: yeah, and you
1: know, we we're talking about how the Ducks fell off, and the Barnes Rumors are a second half team, but I mean, last couple of weeks, the Ducks have not necessarily been, been that you know, team, either a good six or seven game win streak mixed in there at one point. So, yeah, um, yeah, they've actually now that <laughs> now they say it, they did just get swept by Lancers, so maybe will shut my mouth out of that one, but
2: yeah.
1: um. I forgot that happened while I was like watching playoffs in the screen. But yeah um, how much is that yeah, it's just
0: it's, hiding something though for a possible playoff matchup.
1: Yeah, you're right. And um I don't know. Yeah, I still I'm probably gonna leave Barn It's just there's a the classic second half team and
0: I don't know. They're you're really dangerous. trying to get the ducks feathers ruffled this episode, aren't ah, you?
1: They already aren't thrilled with me, whatever. <laughs> they're always mad about something. It's fine. Fair. Shout out to the ducks. Only Although, together, I
0: guess. Yeah, so I guess in that sense, and I was right, season end 17, playoffs start 19, we record the next episode on 20. So, by the way, y'all are going to have some out-of-date information by a couple of days. You're going to have to live with that, though, Sorry. because I'm going to be in Boston, so deal with it. Uh, any event, though, my only thought here is I lean Long Island just because they've kind of been there, done that. Although, I mean, in fairness, Lancaster is on a title defense. They're a bit hotter, but I just... There's so many major leaguers on that line island lineup, man. I just kind of got to lean them. And when they're cooking, they're cooking. Uh, so I'll give them that. Although they don't seem to be like as unstoppable as past years there. So we'll go from there and I'll probably readjust next week this time. Uh, as far as high point Gastonia goes, those are two pretty damn even teams. I don't even really know where to begin with that. Like I'm going to, I say this as I'm wearing the Gastonia hat. I'm leaning high point. Just because, like, I just feel like I feel like this. I feel like, honestly, part of me is like, there's a chance that Gastonia doesn't have a bus to get there. But then the other part of me is like, yeah, but they're a really good team, and they're able to deal with this bullshit off the field. They're able to deal with the business on the field. And also, i kind of rooted for Gastonia to win because I want to see what they're going to do with this ring situation. <laughs> but... <laughs> which means they ain't going to get them, but it would still be kind of cool either way. In all seriousness, though, I think High Point's a more well-rounded team. I think they're a guttier team. I think they can pull it out. I do think Estonia can win in different ways, and they are a damn fine power team. So it's hard for me to really pick one over the other. They're just so even. I go High Point ever so slight of a margin.
1: Yeah. um... Man, my... (laughs) Just in the time that we've briefly been talking about it here, I'm like, I've fully convinced myself. I don't know. I, my gut was like, I think Gastonia-Lancaster in the, in, in the finals. And then the more I'm like, well, high point probably is better than Gastonia at this point. Ooh, a
0: repeat um, last year. Yeah, I know. Um, it's got very Frontier leaguey vibes. Repeat champion yeah, goes been- to the final against a team that, you know, like – is pretty solid
1: yeah i mean if they if they were to do that i think i
0: don't know like yeah, i'm picking so, the south division no no what.
1: they're so tight man they're so close it, yeah the parody in the in the blank league is usually pretty good at least at the top i mean they always have a couple trash teams that's insane but like yeah <laughs> because uh, again you're right like i feel lancaster over line, like with fair confidence in my gut and then i'm like well that lineup <laughs> yeah. i still think lancaster's better i'm I, the way about i'm like lancaster and high point will probably be it with oh my god it's so close i mean a high point but by by no margin at all in my mind but i don't yeah. know i'll run some numbers but it's it's ridiculous
0: well let's I, I, I think
1: lancaster and high point were the two teams i ran the other day just on like I I ran a spreadsheet and like one of the things that came out of it was like runs per game, like what the run differential is per game. And I think the difference between those two was like 0.01. I was like, damn, like the two teams who were in the final last year, like they might be
0: again. Yeah. It's a good playoff matchup. That much is for saying. So uh, with that, That kind of wraps up the baseball discussion. We got some predictions and some prompts to run through. We'll try to knock those out in under five minutes and then get out of here. One other piece of news, though, that kind of loops into what we were saying earlier with the Atlantic League being sloppy on some stuff. Remember a while back when we said they just kind of stopped doing the silver anniversary team? And then Ryan was like, oh, yeah, they did. Yep. They start up again. Corey Thurman got added. They didn't tweet anything out, at least to my knowledge. So... (laughs) Just put it up on the website. So we'll get the Corey Thurman uh, news for you next week. In addition to some more Sioux City talk and some more talk on other things. It's just important to note, though. So that's there uh, because Twitter's search function sucks. Um, I can't really keep updating the, you know, the kind of thread I had going. So we're going to start a new one, even though I don't even remember who's on that team. So we'll go from there. Uh, also, there was a press release with uh, with Thurman in there, too. I saw that, so whatever. Uh, any case, predictions. Uh, Billings wins the Pioneer. Chicago wins the American. I don't have a third one. So those are kind of bold, I suppose, because those are some even series. But I figure it's fitting for championship week. Um, any thoughts on either one of those? Or did we already talk about it?
1: Ooh, um Damn, this is like the first time I've actually had to like make a pick on the Pioneer League situation. Um,
0: I think... What I say earlier? Ride with my offenses.
1: muscles. I know. I know, I know, I know.
0: Ride with them. Encourage good social media usage. Good online <laughs> citizenship. Yeah. Do not encourage creepy cover photos on captionless photo dumps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I guess I will go with I guess Billings. Yeah, I gotta go guys They're a more complete team than Ogden, I think. Right. If you beat Missoula, like that gets you a lot of credit in my book. Like we've seen before Rocky Mountain was on a hot streak, but they were not a complete team and Ogden beat them because they're not a complete team. Yeah. Um when it came to, you know, the bigger picture when it comes to Billings, like they battled and they got through Missoula, like they give up a lot of runs, though. And Ogden scores runs. Unless they don't, because they actually
0: didn't score that much. <laughs> Hell, we're on Billings. We're on Billings. Ride Billings. Ride Mustangs. Yeah. There we go. Sure. It's a good thing, too. Otherwise, when the social media guy would have listened to this show, got to this point, you would have been getting called out. Because they already called you out for not ranking them. So, <laughs> right, granted, yeah, I stoked right. that fire. So,
1: oh. Oh, Pausing for the thought of, uh, I need just to get it out there to the world. Like hey, like, just because one team beats another team in a, in a series, a playoff series, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be ranked better than a team now because that's not how baseball works. It's a long season because three-game series don't tell you a damn thing.
2: So you uh, need
1: to me. Don't get in my DMs to be like, oh, you said this team's going to win. I said, like, nah, I told you what the win probability was. Like, Congrats. They beat the odds. Enjoy that. Don't turn around and be like, oh, but your prediction was wrong. It's not a prediction. It's probabilities. Just telling you.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can I also so just say- It does me nuts every year. Before I just do the two over under here, I just want to point out one thing too. I saw under a lot of the tweets I was sending out, we had a lot of Salty Sioux City fans. Understand that, emotional, I'll give them a pass. But the dog fans that were acting high and mighty for beating Milwaukee, particularly the one that commented, all they have is a pretend ring. That's still more than you got, bud. <laughs> Like,
1: yeah, yeah, like, slow down.
0: It's like, first off, let's just ignore the 2020 season then. You do realize last year, Milwaukee went to the final, right? Like, they came one Leo Pena single up the middle away from having another title. Yeah. They've gone to the final in two of the last three years. Like, they're still doing... And they were an
1: extra innings game away from going a third time.
0: Yeah, like... Let's be real. Which
1: maybe, maybe embrace how good Milwaukee is, and yeah. you know, be like, yeah, and we beat them instead of like trying to be like, oh, they're not anything. I'm like, what are you? You're making yourself look worse. What are we talking about? Here?
0: Exactly. It's like they they still have more postseason wins than you got. But settle down. Facts. Like, let's calm it down here. Like, when you win oh, a title, man. if you win the title, fine, talk your shit. But until then, why don't you settle down? Because I'm not sure you realize. What's exactly in front of you? You have Mount Doom standing in front of you. One yeah, needs we're some-
1: talking about how this series is going to be close, but there is also, I would not be surprised if Kansas City goes out and just punks them bring around.
0: Oh yeah. Like that's a very real possibility. And I'll yes. move on after this point. Chicago just had to extend their bullpen in an extra inning elimination game after having to really bank on Cause what'd you say that you, they were eight uh, and two thirds scoreless. Yeah. So that's a lot of bullpen usage. That's a bullpen series. You know what Kansas City's really good on? Jumping on a weak pitcher that's fatigued. They're really good at just taking like what could be a one or two run inning and just gashing you for five or seven and just saying, yep, this one's done. So like, let's keep that in perspective here. Good pitching can probably beat good batting, but when good pitching gets tired, good batting's going to kill them. And call me crazy, but I think you're a little bit more fatigued throwing a pitch and it takes longer to get back from that than you do from swinging a bat. So, yeah, like, you know, I'm just saying it's still not exactly an easy fight here, boys. Let's not talk until uh, you get the job done. That's all. Yep. That's, that's my sell. soapbox. That's all. Any case, um, two over-unders. First one, York finishes... 5.75 games out of first in the north. Ooh,
1: um, I'll pull up. I got to pull this. Uh, I believe there was three and half. a half back
0: at last I looked. Hmm. Probably went to four now. Okay. What was that number again? Uh, 5.75. Yeah, it needs to be over five and a half.
1: They have enough games for that.
0: Yeah. Sure. No, I don't know. I just picked the number. I figured it would work out.
1: I think there's three and a half back. Okay. Two to play.
0: So, in theory.
1: Either way, I'm taking the under because Langster doesn't have anything to play for
0: Fair enough. Trying to think if the math does work out. I don't think it does. I think five and a half is the no, most. Seven. I should have went with the four and a half you number have said that I was originally going to pick. Yeah. You
1: could have said three and a half. I was taking the other one.
0: <laughs> All right, then.
1: I'm a believer in Lancaster is pushing hard, so I think they're going to rest some guys.
0: All right, then. The other one is uh, there will be 48 and a half earned runs in the Miles Wolf Cup final.
1: Oh, my God. Ah,
0: okay. Earned runs, not just runs. Earned runs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Jesus, that's yeah. a math equation. What are we doing out here? Um, <laughs> I was really figuring this episode was going to wrap up an hour ago, and this we are kind of no. I know homeland. I'm
1: screwed. Dude. I still, for those who don't know, I'm up in four and a half hours, so I can drive eight hours to Tennessee. Um, just throw so so clothes in his backpack,
0: dude. Is. That's your that's your winning play. <laughs>
1: Um, this is going to be right. me so, next Wednesday, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Finishing an episode at like eleven thirty, twelve thirty, editing the thing, and packing my bag, all so I can get up and drive up to Boston.
1: Hmm. I think, I think we're going under.
0: Going the under, okay. Yep, we're going under. Going under on both.
1: Probably I'll specify and I think we land around, around forty-one. Okay put down the
0: record I'll go under and then over we'll do that one under on the first cool. over on the second okay Okay. that's all we really got um, throw your plugs out there then I'll throw mine out there and then we'll be done Indie Ball
1: Nation I'll be trying to keep good coverage this weekend while I'm out of town but I will do it again and then uh, yeah yeah now I'm going to go watch cars drive in circles um, after driving in a car all day so I don't know what that says about me but here we are
0: Says a lot, but that's what it is. I'll be picking up the slack for him as he watches the cars go around and around, zooming in a circle. And then he'll pick up my slack when I'm in Boston at the end of the week watching McLemore. So, yes, sir. That's how that's going to work out. Uh, Indie Ball Report and pretty much everything except for Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it nowadays. That's Indie Ball Pod. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all there is. Definitely check the show notes from this episode and last one, to be quite honest, because there's a lot of good links. would highly encourage that. Those are on indiebarreport.com, as is every episode. And I'd also just like to casually throw out here, even though it's been a year since I've done this, but I figure I should throw it out there again now because I formally deleted the old feed. The old account that was on Potomatic because those guys are assholes and the way they handle the customer service sucks. So I finally got rid of them and that's all well set and good on that front there. So uh, do not follow that feed because it doesn't exist anymore. This is the only one that exists now. So if you happen by some random chance, know someone that was on the old feed and was wondering, why aren't there any episodes for over a year? First off, tell them to use their head. And secondly, tell them to jump over to this feed where they'll have literally 53 episodes to catch up on. Uh, And I'd recommend them starting back and working their way forward. It's going to be one hell of a ride when randomly Will's just not here one day. (laughs) I really wish I would have just started calling you Will from the get-go and just see who catches on. Because like, how great would that have been?
2: Uh.
0: Yeah, until next time, don't forget to uh play ball.